Hey, Jeff. Hey, Eric. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? Doing well, thank you. Hey, David. Hey, guys. How are you? <laughs> I just want to say I'm excited to be the first guest to ever record their own intro. How about Very that? Big. Breaking wow. ground <laughs> yeah. here. Do you guys have flex bombs? Can we drop some oh, of those? Oh, my God. David, how was your week? Uh, my week was, was, you know, honestly, it was another great week for David Cho. Did you <laughs> did you do anything for uh, for Passover? <laughs> yeah. Shag Shemesh. <laughs> <laughs> we went down to Aunt Marge's and... Um, Aunt Marge is is seeing this dude who uh, is that is that is Aunt Marge out here in these streets? Well, if we have any listeners of this podcast <laughs> who have seen her on Bumble or uh, Plenty she, of Fish, this is why people have listened. <laughs> this is why people are listening to the podcast to listen about your old Jewish aunt on social. Whoa, media. Hey, old! She, yeah, come on, come on, she's not that old. <laughs> I mean, we're old. I'm assuming she's older than us. <laughs> she is, uh, but but she's seeing this dude who has these uh, vocal tics. Yeah. Right? And so every time that he opens or closes a sentence, it's with like Uzi Vert, sort of. But he'll yeah, yeah. honestly not far off. Yeah, <laughs> he goes, he goes, sure, sure. So he ruins bad and bougie. <laughs> every, yeah, yeah. But the best was that like we caught on, right? Dan, Jeff, and myself caught on, and then Dan got stuck in a conversation with this guy. That's but Dan, Dan started doing it back to him, right? And he didn't, he didn't like take it anyway or realize. So it Dan was doing like the sure, sure to him. <laughs> Which is great. So that, that made yeah. it a, love, love these Passover, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a Passover bits tradition. to start with. <laughs> um, no, this, this is, in case anyone's wondering, this is what the podcast is like. It's us <laughs> talking about really random shit. Jeff, who do we have on the podcast today? We have our good friend, David Cho. David- I've already been talking, guys. Come on. <laughs> David, where do we know you from? Oh, I don't know the internet. Oh, how about this? Uh, David was one of the first employees at College Humor. David was a co-creator of The All... David was the publisher at Grantland, internet favorite Grantland. Award-nominated Grantland. Um, By what? The Webbies? No, the Asmus. The Webbies. Listen, I have a Webby right there. A Webby winning. Award-winning and nominated. What was your six-word speech? (laughs) (laughs) Nice. And uh, and now uh, David's in the advertising, marketing, I don't know, like cool people realm. I think there's a convergence of content. And marketing and advertising. Save it for the podcast. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> and um, this is a really great episode. We have a lot of fun. David, by the way, is uh, internet famous. We get into that. That's Dave- not true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we talk well, about no, that. you've done things that are internet famous. Yeah, yeah I'm definitely. I don't have a K you in my. Yeah, yeah, I don't have a K in my follower account. You- <laughs> Oh, right. We talk about that as well. Yeah. Um, Should we wrap up this intro? I think so. Uh, I just would like to say, beyond following us on all the social media uh, accounts that we have, please go to Spotify right now and follow It's The Real. David, I did it today. Thank you. Thank you, David Cho. Um, Wait, real quick before we start, though, can we talk about how Jeff in last week's intro said he was going to stab the person who has the It's The Real Snapchat, Snapchat. in the neck? And you guys just like went by it as though no one said anything? As though it was normal for Jeff to be threatening to stab people in the neck? Jeez Louise, Jeff, relax. I have a real dark side. Yeah, cool. David. So let's get in the show. <laughs> Yo, what up? It's Eric, a.k.a. Norwegian Air, a.k.a. Finland. Yo, what up? It's Jeff, a.k.a. 500 Horses, a.k.a. My Little Pony Collection. Hello. Um, <laughs> this is David Show. I have no AKs. None? Well, do you... I, I you mean, had so much time to no, think about No, well, it. yeah. I mean, so... I wrote an AKA one time. It was horrible. And then... But then Jeff used part of it in an old episode. What did it, I do? Was, it was AKA... 
real player, aka that's the only one I could come up with. So. That, that's a good aka <laughs> for error. That's right. I this, love streaming music, so. David. This is a waste of time with it's the real. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I don't know. I don't know how many it's the real heads that are out there. Probably a lot, but um, it's so weird to hear it without the music in the background. <laughs> it's much more uncomfortable, and the responses people have now I, it makes so much more sense. You understand to me. what goes on. Do you want to sing the song? But <laughs> I don't. Um, that was me singing like Aziz. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> David, thanks for finally being on the podcast. No, like I, not I, only did we want to have you on for the longest time, not only have you wanted to be on for the longest course. time, but the greatest thing is uh, the following that you have online who wants you to be here. There's at least nine people <laughs> on the internet who have asked you when I'm going to be on this podcast, and here we are. Yeah, finally yeah. in my apartment too. Is this the first? Apartment or no, first, first remote? No, we had um we went to Mac Miller's apartment. Yes, so it's just me and Mac. Well, <laughs> you, you and I, yeah, two yeah. contemporaries. Uh, and, yeah, and we went to um the hotel for Mike Posner. That's right. Yeah, so yeah, me, Mac Miller, and Mike Posner. You guys right. are all on all the, the same, same level. Three yeah, white exactly dudes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? Fucking white dudes. I'm good. I'm tired. Yeah. So uh, let's just get right into it. You, what do you want to get into? Well, you were in Los Angeles very recently. Correct. And we saw some video of you in the studio with Pharrell Williams, Timbaland, and Justin Timberlake, three Correct. friends sitting on a couch in the studio. Just, yeah, just, again, just me and my contemporaries, Mike Posner, <laughs> Mac Mill, Tim, Pharrell. Um, yeah, I was, uh, I, I've been working with Justin on something uh, recently, which I'm like super NDA'd up, so I can't talk about anything, but... I'm, I'm working with him, which is exciting because I'm just a fan. Uh, and I, I can tell you about that night, which is fucking crazy. Well, real quick, yeah. do you have any apprehension about videoing or taking any pictures while you're around these guys? Yeah, I don't. I mean, that I, I was allowed to put that picture up because Justin and Pharrell put it up. So it was that was allowed. And yeah. then um, I don't think I've put out anything else besides right. that. I think Tim put up a video. Mm-hmm. And you're I in the was, background. I was in that one. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, but then otherwise, I mean, that's why I haven't put it on the internet. Did, was that the but... most interaction that you've gotten, like, online? Like, the biggest reaction you've gotten online? No, I mean, because I've, guys, I've, I've had, <laughs> I've had minor memes go viral. Um, yeah, Barry's dancing against trees. Yeah, yeah. That has a million views on YouTube. That, this is not a joke. That has a million views on Congratulations. YouTube. Congratulations. Yeah. If you guys want to, I don't even know what the YouTube channel name is. Oh, if you go to vidcho, V-I-D-C-H-O dot com, it <laughs> redirects to my YouTube page. Um, but yeah, no, uh, I, I mean, that was the thing that was the most important that that's one of the things that I think has been the most interesting things in my life that I've seen just because like, I mean, you guys are, you were of a similar age and like, I mean, for me, um, you know, as, as a Korean kid who grew up in Tennessee, it's like Pharrell, Kanye, that era of people has been so important in my life of like, where I'm like, I, I love Tennessee and like, that's a, so much of me as part of that, but also like. I always had interests that were outside of the things that were immediately available to me in a pre-internet time. So, like, I remember the first time I saw, like, Pharrell wearing Bape. And I was like, holy shit, like, this is something that I, like, finally feels like it's a part of me. And, like, you know, you guys know I love Pharrell. The last podcast we did was about Kanye. Yeah. Um, like you know which is like how long this eight years ago now I mean, it's a long yeah. Time. Yeah. <laughs> um but like i mean I, we talked about them but like so if you haven't heard that eight years ago <laughs> uh, a quick refresher course is that kanye and for all these dudes who are sort of like these uh, amalgamations of all these different cultures into one person so like 
Kanye Wayne came out wearing blazers and the fucking Louis Vuitton backpack or Pharrell being like this black guy who's very into skateboarding, but also has like these Japanese influences. Like that was like, I mean, I think there's a lot of kids of our generation who really relate to that. The idea of being, you know, and that's one of the things like I think uh, I've lately I've had like this aversion to the word urban in the sense of like as a as code for black or anything like that because i do think there is something to be said for people who live in urban areas or cities or aspire to live in those places and how that's like a true definition of like our generation's urban where it's like you're a person who is formed by all these different influences that i think are really really interesting and that and and to me it's like being around pharrell who's sort of like one of the i, I like og like icons of that movement i think is really really interesting what was it like even meeting pharrell uh, <laughs> uh, Jeff asked that question and I, I was like, Jeff, ask me about what it was like <laughs> when I first met Pharrell. Yeah, but did it sound natural when I said it? Yeah, yeah. well, because they couldn't see you and you had a fucking glimmer in your eye. <laughs> this wasn't the first time I met Pharrell. Really? Be- yeah, because I met him at the BBC opening. Right, you interviewed him. Time. Yeah, I interviewed him for Radar. I didn't even, Neil, my friend interviewed him. Mm-hmm. I went with him. I asked questions and stood there like a fucking herb. <laughs> and then I got a picture with him that my friend took on, like, I think a Razor phone. Wait, what do you have. wear to the BBC opening? I don't know. At the time, I I was, like, fucking poor. I didn't have anything. So I just, like, wore normal shit. But, um, but who knows what I'd wear now? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but um, now that I have all this opulence that's around, right you know, that's right uh no uh so the first time at Pharrell I just gotten I just landed and uh it was I think Pharrell's first day working with Justin in the studio in this round of whatever and um there's like a there's like a common area there's like a kitchen mm-hmm. and there are all these like little private rooms was off there of like it. a mini fridge no there's a full <laughs> fridge okay <laughs> um, and uh and so I was there and I think I'd like set up in the kitchen because like all the mini rooms were kind of booked and I was like just trying to catch up on email and stuff and so I was working and then Pharrell his uh like sort of security guy slash like dude uh Ben and then family of Whoa. Star, formerly of Star Trek. Yes. Sure. Uh, I guess currently probably, uh, who knows. But so they're coming in and they're talking about, this is like the week after the Mike Brown video had come out, the new one from the South By documentary. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so Pharrell and Fam and, uh, and Ben were just talking about like what that meant and all this stuff. And they're having like a very like, I mean, it's like just not heated, but it's like a very serious conversation about what it means to be black in America today and all this stuff. And I'm just like sitting there and they're all they're doing this in the kitchen while I'm there. And it's like, I'm like on my laptop. Being like, <laughs> holy shit. Holy shit. This is for all. And it's like a very interesting and intelligent conversation. And then all of a sudden he turns to me. He's like, what do you think? And I was like, uh, and then I just like said every word I could to also not be as offended, like inoffensive yeah, of as possible to be like, oh, you know. I obviously like I respect and, you know <laughs> I was like I think you're right but I think I think fam has a great point too and you know and it's just like oh, that's cool <laughs> like, oh thank you and then later on and I hadn't been introduced to him at that point so and as then, far as he knew you could have just been like working at the studio no because he knew because you I was in a section that was very clearly like I was at least part of like someone's squad <laughs> yeah and, uh you weren't just like random fan who was stumbled yeah into. yeah I did <laughs> The security there is very intense. As you can yeah, imagine. Ben. Shouts to him. Huh? Shouts to Ben. Do you guys know Ben? No. no. Oh, no. Ben is dope. Um, Ben's literally like, I saw, uh, I think BBC put up a picture of Pharrell from the Grindin' video mm-hmm. um, shoot. And Ben's in the back. And I was like, oh, Ben. It's interesting how many people Pharrell has from his like past, like or like has kept the same dudes around him. Like his engineer, Drew, is this guy who has engineered everything he's ever done. That's awesome. And so I was just like, 
uh, so do you have this on your computer? And he's like, yeah, I, I got like, I was like, do you have this? And he's like, yeah, 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 I've got that. And it's like crazy. That's a sort of the first time I met him. And so then I met him afterwards and someone was like, and Justin introduced me. He was like, oh, this is da da da. And he's like, he's like, oh yeah, we met. And, and just, just being like, oh, this is sort of like, he's a smart guy. I was like, I can tell. And I was like, Thank God. So what's it like for a, you're a Korean kid. I am Korean. That in, was not white. That was a joke. Sorry. In Tennessee. Yes. And you love BBC and you love... Not then. I didn't know what it was then. But you like, didn't know any yeah, of yeah. it? No, because I mean, it hadn't come out yet. Like, I we went to college in like 2000... I went to college in 2001. Right. So I think that was like, I guess, BAPE sort of. But I, I mean, it's I still was like... You don't... I mean, people forget that like before the internet, there's like no way to find anything Well, out. yeah. So like, where do you find Kanye? And where do you find Pharrell? I found Kanye... I was like late to Kanye probably. I was... I got him... 2008 <laughs> yeah, 2008 <laughs> 2003 um like that's when dropout came out i think it was when dropout came out i was i my roommate at the time was this like football player who's this like huge black dude from durham and we got placed together randomly when i got back from study abroad and he was like hey you should listen to this. or you know he wasn't even like that he was like he was listening to it in our room i was like what the fuck is that <laughs> and then and then i got really into him and then i like lo- looked a lot of shit up online about him and then i went to go see him at uh i saw a free concert that he did i think we told this story in the last podcast i the f- i went to see him for the first time uh at duke university where he was like doing this like free show so it's like half kids from duke who are as you can imagine fairly white and asian right and then half the community of durham raleigh raleigh durham which is like very like i mean black frankly right and it's like and so you had that and then and then opening up for him was john legend who no one knew at the time <laughs> and he fucking comes out and he tries to play ordinary people and everyone just is sort of like legit booing him being like <laughs> like they came to hear rap music and not even like hard rap music necessarily right but right this dude motherfucker's playing ordinary people <laughs> like on a piano and like it's not even like a good piano it's like a shitty electric piano and it just sounds whatever. did you did you boo i didn't boo i mean i <laughs> I was just excited to see Kanye, but um, I mean, at the time, like, it's so crazy to think like he was doing these stages on schools on like a little stage they built for him. Totally, like no visuals, no anything, just like. I mean, Eric saw know. him at uh, Asbury Park. Asbury Park, beautiful Asbury Park. Also with John Legend opening and Don C as his DJ. Oh and God, Don yeah, was the DJ. Don was the DJ. He was a DJ offbeat. <laughs> and consequence and and uh their openers were little brother i love consequence he's a good yeah. rapper prove yeah. it <laughs> <What happened>? uh, <laughs> the, uh, the, this is good i i the, the reason i'm excited to be on this podcast right now is because i know jeff well enough now where i will be the i can i confidently can say i will be the only person to ever be on this podcast that gets all of jeff's <laughs> bullshit jokes because i always listen to it i'm like there are these rappers that don't hear the, like hear jeff say these random dry things and they're like is he serious is he not they don't get that like you know half of 80 percent of what jeff says is and like, you always let me know very sarcastic dry things yeah whenever i'm listening i always like text you on our group thread i'm like oh they didn't get this joke jeff <laughs> Thank so, you. So I'm excited to, you know, get but, all of them. David, you've been to some of the greatest places on earth. <laughs> <laughs> get off my dick, Jeff. <laughs> Where is this going? I'm curious. <laughs> um, you've been to Paris. True. You've been to Barcelona. Are you just going off the Rihanna plane <laughs> stops now? No. It's, it's not It's not an It's the Real podcast without <laughs> Jeff bringing up the Rihanna plane, so... Glad we could get that off the. Uh, for those of you playing, it's the real bingo at home. <laughs> Take a shot. We've mentioned just Ant and. Uh, oh, and, and we don't talk about Ant Marge every week. 
And Jones in the mix a lot. Anyway, Jane, and Jane, yeah. Uh, you went to probably the greatest place on earth. You went to Tyrese's house. Yeah, I mean Tyrese's house is really fucking. Well, dope. how'd you get the invite? So honestly, I mean, I I pretty much kind of snuck in because um, <laughs> Aziz Ansari, the comedian, and his brother Anis Ansari, friend to the podcast. It's true. Other other people you guys know who have been on the podcast before yeah. me. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, no, they had an ongoing text thread with the Lonely Island from SNL, and they'd been talking about going to Gibsihana, which is essentially Tyrese's <laughs> private Benihana that he set up in his backyard <laughs> that he talked about at some point, or he put on social media or whatever, right? So, so then Tyrese or Sandberg runs into Tyrese at an event and like runs like up the Emmys or something, right? No, that one was this is like two years ago. So okay, I think it was like I think it might have I don't remember, but so sometime before, like years ago. Mm-hmm. Sandberg runs up to Tyrese, like, holy shit, like, you know, my friends and I, we talk about this thing that you have. <laughs> and Tyrese is sort of like nonplussed and is sort of like, cool, I guess. Really? Yeah, hit me up. You know, I think he offers to like, because Tyrese is incredibly nice and so chill or whatever. And he's like, oh, yeah, like, hit me up whenever you want to go. But I don't think Sandberg felt like he had the juice to do it at the time. <laughs> right. So then I said, so at some point, like, I guess this was earlier, like last winter, Aziz runs up to, runs up to Tyrese. And, and Tyrese it, knows who Aziz is. Yeah, at this point, I think Tyrese. Like it's, yeah, it's post Ma- Master of None. Okay. And I think he might have been and, uh, nominated Tyrese for Tyrese is Emmy. a big Netflix head. <laughs> he loves the streaming homes, Don't lie. Yeah. Um, so then, and then Tyrese is like into it, and so then he puts on Instagram, "Yo, we're down to go." And then I saw that, <laughs> and I was like, "Yo, let me get." I'm not. I'm not part of this tech server, but let me get on this trip. He's like, "Yeah, sure, of course." And so then it turns into this thing where we've been. We start texting for weeks and weeks, like. When we can go and like, I think all of us are sort of like, it's not going to happen. Like, there's a million reasons why this can't happen. <laughs> Wait, name them all. What the reasons why it can't happen? Yeah, I'm going to ignore that joke from Jeff. <laughs> um, but no, uh, and and then it, the day's there, and he's like, "Yo, come through. I got everything set up. Don't worry about it." And we're all like, and it's like in the middle of like, like somewhere like towards Calabasas, but not Calabasas. So, so we like, know. So it's not in like L.A. proper. No, well, I mean, I don't. I don't know and the group that's LA. going is is Lonely Island, uh, Aziz, Aniz, and you. Yeah, it's the six of us. And he was like, I think because he was like the 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 table's tight, so he was like, <laughs> no, just because it's like it's a it's a it's a single Benihana table, so it's like I think there's like eight seats or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so it's like you can only fit a certain number of people. Um, and so we get there, and I think the entire time we're all sort of like, what the fuck is about to happen? <laughs> And and like and they brought like this bottle of tequila and we brought a bunch of wine and shit. Can you uh, get a real Benihana? Can you bring your own booze? No, of course okay. not. It's not BYOB. <laughs> um, but Gibsiana is. So we get there and it's just like weird because you walk into his house and he's just so nice. But none of us, have, I guess, Andy and, and Aziz had met Tyrese. But like none of us are like friends with Tyrese. <laughs> right. So what is his function during this? I mean, like is host. He... I mean, he's just the consummate host. He's the nicest guy. Mm-hmm. He's like got the most like happy disposition and he's just like welcome blah 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 i think like roxy from uh 106 and park yeah i yeah, was there because i think she's friends with tyrese and then another one of their mutual friends was was Table there is tight. yeah were you mad that, that they were there <laughs> no, were you like great. oh great 
No, I'm a huge 106 and Park fan. Wait, wait. So, <laughs> so it's, it's like a regular Benihana where you're seated around the actual like. Chef yeah, you're doing... si- Yeah, and so the chef, his name is Oliver, <laughs> is Tyrese's personal chef, who he stole from a Benihana. But I think he also cooks for Tyrese non-Benihana foods. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, and Oliver also is a DJ. So we get there, and Tyrese just shows us around. He's like, "Yo, this is my house." Like, blah, blah, blah. like just like he does an episode of Cribs for us. And so the house is like beautiful. It's like, but then you get to the outside, and it's like fucking everything's there. There's like a little Starbucks setup where it's like a kiosk for like Starbucks coffee with a Starbucks sign above it, like as though Starbucks had paid to get inside Tyrese's <laughs> house. Like the same way, like at your college, like they'll have like. You know, like uh, college, like you know how that like, yeah. Starbucks yeah, yeah. Kiosk, yeah. kiosk. So there's there's that on the left, and you first walk in. There's this like fire pit that's like really dope, where it's like sunken in, and there's like a lot, like a wide range of seats. And then you go further back. There's like a whole structure, and in the structure is the private nightclub that Oliver was spinning at when we got in. <laughs> no one else is there. Oliver's just like playing music by himself. And then Tyrese takes us behind the DJ booth where there's a VIP room inside the club. There was Wait, no one else in the club. Though. Yeah, yeah. You could have sat anywhere in the club. No, no, he's just showing us around the club. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, so the VIP room has like a table that I think, I'm trying to remember if this is right, but it turns, there's like a hot tub around the table if people want it. Like you can like you can take the tabletop off and turn it into a hot tub. This is very like pimp my ride. Yeah, it's insane. <laughs> um, you also and, showed up on the one night where no one else is there. Well, no, but like so I think Eric, was, like, it was a private event. Oh, that's... <laughs> no, no, he has parties and stuff, and like since I'm sure. then, like Aziz has gotten invited to parties and like forwards us the invitation. Be like, any of you guys gonna? Because like, how's the of... artwork on the invitation? <laughs> I mean, it's just it's it's like club. It's like club promotion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god! And so, and none of us have gone. There was one where I was like, because I I moved to L or I moved back here like right after that, or yeah. I might have already been here or something. That was your going away party. Yeah. Well, it was actually Anise's birthday too, around Anise's birthday. So like, it's for Anise's birthday. Oh my god! Happy birthday, Anise! Yeah. Yeah, Anise has dope birthday parties, I guess. Um, and so, but like, no one's gone yet. But I remember one time, like Sandberg, like I think like everyone's kind of nervous to go without Aziz. Even though, like, we were all there or whatever. So I remember one video that Andy took. Is that right? To put on his um, – or on the Lonely Island uh, Instagram. Is that right? Honestly, so there's this one video where – so we – so. Oh, wait, before, I want to finish the Tyrese house tour. So above the club is a barbershop, nail salon, massage parlor. Oh, my God. And then there's, like, a terrace up top for, like, just, like, normal grilling, too, that almost (laughs) looks like... does Oliver work in the nail salon? (laughs) No, no, he brings in people to to do... Oliver doesn't do everything. No, Oliver only DJs and cooks. (laughs) Only. Of course. Yeah. I mean, you can cook. And you can DJ sort of. Yeah. yeah. But nobody hires me to. Yeah. You're personal. you're like a B-side Oliver. Yeah. Because you're, you're, you're an you're a fucking iPhone DJ and you don't, you can't cook Benihana. And right. you throw a knife up Send your there. CV to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then upstairs is like, it's almost like an MTV spring break house type vibe where mm-hmm. it's like open space and there's like this like patio area. But then right next to it is this like enclosed structure where it's like probably like a barbershop <laughs> where people can get their hair cut or like you can get manicures done or whatever, or like massages and shit and then you go to the you go even further than that and there's this like space where he had a big like a big theater projector set up and it's like a screen the size of a movie screen but it's outdoor and so like you can like like i think randomly like finding nemo was on it out there, but no one was watching it's just like you like it's probably like whatever the last like blu-ray or whatever Do you think was tyrese was like when i grow up i want to live in a mall <laughs> no i think he was sort of just like he was sort of saying like he wants a place where his friends can come hang out where it's like not fucking crazy since then he's added 
like, and you can see this on Instagram. I, he didn't tell me this. I saw it on Instagram. He's added like an Optimus Prime and a Bumblebee statue that are from Transformers. Yeah, true to life size. All right, true well, to life in the movie. Right, like the, the to scale, like the size of those statues this is like a mall. Yeah. Well, he put one of them again from Instagram. He put one of them in his front yard. And I think the neighbors complain. I think he like yeah, it's this whole thing. Does he have any water fountains? No, I mean it's it's yeah, really well. Yeah, that, 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 so it's really well. It's very like it's I, I think it all looks really good. Like I mean, it's all tastefully done. Like the Benihana, so it's tastefully done. There's two giant transformers <laughs> in the backyard. Next to the Benihana, next to the Starbucks. <laughs> Maybe you have shitty taste. I have maybe Wait. Tyrese and my taste align. But the yeah. Benihana, it's like this. So the Benihana is its own like little room. It's like a cabana sort of. And so the walls are really cool because they're full sliding door walls that you can like kind of expose. <laughs> um, like you can like pull them to the side so that it's all open, which is like pretty dope. Mm. Does he have? Does the bathroom have uh, automatic dryers? <laughs> Wait, I don't even. Weirdly enough, I don't think I went to the bathroom at Tyrese's house, which was a mistake on my part, I guess. Yeah, really. So, um, so the, but the videos, though. Oh, yeah. So then, I mean, I think Tyrese inherently is just like, he's a grinder. He's like a hustler. I think one of the things that, like, so he wanted us, like, to take videos for, like, Instagram and stuff like that or whatever. And uh, and so one of them was this video where, we, like, I was, so Oliver's just playing music in the back. <laughs> Not, like, DJing, but just, like, he, there's a playlist going. Yeah. And uh, Bugatti comes on. And it's pretty fucking insane. And then we just go crazy for it. And Tyree's like, oh, my God, this is a thing. I got a video of this. And oh, he did it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because Tyree shot it. And then he pulled it into selfie mode. But I will say there's two videos on the internet. I think the one that's like really – the one that like he posted, uh-huh. I think we had to do a reshoot because it, there's something about like the way – It was way- too turnt. <laughs> Honestly, it wasn't. Yeah, there's something about it. But then Oliver timed the fire volcano to the drop in Bugatti. It's pretty fucking Whoa. crazy. Whoa. That's yeah. awesome. Oliver is very talented. <laughs> you're, you're trying to shit on Oliver. No, no. I that. Oliver knows I he has that. like a minute and 45 to make it from <laughs> yeah. the DJ booth to no, he, but he, so the he, grill. He was like a Benihana chef. That like How was now. the food? I mean, the food is dope. But Benihana food is great. It's like Did, you, did he have a set menu or could you... He was like, you can get all like there. I think there is a menu normally, mm-hmm. but he's like, here are the things you can get, and then he made some special stuff for us too, like this like lobster noodle thing that was really good. Um, yeah, I mean, Benihana food is great. It's like, yeah, teppanyaki, like that shit's dope. <laughs> it's a lot of butter. It's great. If Oliver ever wants to be on the podcast, we will absolutely welcome him on. Do you have the connect? No, literally, <laughs> no. None of us have a way to get to Oliver. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, let's go back to the very beginning. How do you end up in Tennessee? Like your parents moved down I, there. I was, my parents moved there. Be, so I went with. Were them. you Were you born in Tennessee? No, I was born in North Carolina, and then we moved to lived in Portland for a year, and then I lived in Tennessee from second grade until college. But right. what did, What did your parents do? My dad was a pastor, and, and so he had a church there. A church in in where in North Carolina? In no, in Knoxville, in, in Knoxville, Tennessee. Tennessee. Yeah. But you were born in North Carolina. Yeah, yeah. I think my dad was. I guess he was going to seminary at the time, uh-huh. and that's why he was there. And then his first church was in Portland. They only did that for a year, which I guess is weird. Um, but then the, this other church happened in, in Knoxville. And it's like fucking like a Korean church in Knoxville, Tennessee. It's like you can imagine how many people there are. Well, there. is there a large no, Korean? Probably pop- like 50, 80 people or something. Wow, like that. it wasn't. We're all lot. going to that church. 
No, no, that's how many people were going to church. There were at right. least 150 Korean people there. <laughs> I knew I knew 100 of them. Did but, you grow up very religious? Yeah. I mean, I, I believe in God. Like, sure. I mean, that's like, uh, yeah. I, Let's it, talk about it. What do you want to talk about? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> uh, See, that was one of Jeff's dry jokes yeah. right there. Uh, <laughs> wow. I guess once once you're on the mic, you just never know. when when Because he looks at, Jeff, You're the way you look when you're, when you're on a podcast, and mm. I say this, you know, because it's the first time you and I have talked on a podcast in a while, <laughs> is much different than the way you look in real life. Because I'm like, actually looking at you? <laughs> you're looking at me, but you have, like, this smirk the entire time. It's very hard well, to read. Only because I know that Cho is about to, like, go in on me <laughs> at, at, at any point. Like, that's that's no. that's what it's like to talk to David no. Cho. No, but I feel, feel like, like That's is, how it's like for Eric. David is not the same on text as he is on podcast. Yeah, I mean, in text, it's an incredibly private forum where I can shit on you the entire time. Yeah, Cho not... is definitely the aggressor, and I'm just waiting for him <laughs> oh, to... Oh, stop. <laughs> but in real life, I mean, whatever, who cares? Let's talk about something else. What are we talking about? This is uh, going to get edited about... out. Yeah. So you were religious to some degree. Yeah, I mean, honestly... You're an only like, child, by the way. Yeah, I'm an only child. And, like, I think growing up in Tennessee was good because it, like, shaped... Being a Korean kid in Tennessee, in Knoxville, forces you to learn how to get along with a lot of different people. Like, that's one of the things that... I get the most nervous about about like you know um in a pre in a post internet world the idea of like if you're a weirdo if you're a weirdo back then and I was and I still am but like if you're a weirdo back then you sort of have to like learn how to get along with people or else you're gonna be fucking lonely and have no friends whereas today it's like all right let's say you're into I use this analogy in meetings a lot but it's like let's say you're into roller skating Robin Hood and i don't know like the grand canyon mm-hmm. let's say there's 15 other people who are in into that in the world now with the internet you can sort of find those 15 people and you can sort of be like yeah you can double down on your you can double down on your weirdness not be forced to learn how to get along with people how to communicate how to sort of work through things right and i think that'll create like this really insular group of human beings and like i think it'll create this like bifurcation of like people and the way they interact with people where it's like i wonder what a kid who's 13 now who can do that and retreat into these things and not be faced to like forced to sort of like i i create some like character building things when they're 30 and in the workforce when they're 25 in the workforce like how they'll be able to conflict re- resolve and things like that when you're forced to interact with other people well i you think that, that you're seeing that already on on like twitter and stuff like everybody has well, sort of like, like these identity a- politics where they own this one part of themselves and are very vocal about it that's a different thing though where i think it's like that's like the behind the screen anonymous like attacking shit that you're allowed to do on the internet which you know i i think is is sort of um i you know that that's 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 a different i mean it's part of it but i think we're i think we're in to see an interesting workforce and interesting sort of things to happen i think interesting things will happen in the next you know 15 years because of that well that's being you know if if the world is even around in 15 years <laughs> i mean it's not the world's not gonna be over in 15 years jeff i don't or know is that a joke no, that's think. not a joke <laughs> yeah i mean we're recording this the day after um we sent 59 tomahawk missiles to syria and the supreme court or i guess like now you don't need a complete majority like you know right unilateral majority in in, in congress to or in the Senate to to get a, to accomplish anything, and, right? Right. You know, so I I, I get your also hesitance. you know like global warming and all that stuff. I mean, global warming is like gonna end the world in fifteen years. That's that's as crazy as thinking global warming doesn't exist. You're on the other side of the tr- <laughs> of, of of climate change. It's going to uh, be in two years. years. That's yeah. right. <laughs> you're, you're a climate change falser. Wait, do you and I mean, do you and Justin identify on both growing up in Tennessee? The Tennessee thing was a big part of when we first met. I mean, that was like you know I. 
the 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 way that all happened i mean it was like a very long and drawn out process before justin and i actually met because he has people around him that sort of wanted uh me to come in but um when we met i mean we i i, I think there's an immediate sort of similarity of not backgrounds necessarily but the idea of like i mean he's a dude who grew up in tennessee up until he was like 12 or something and then eventually right after that like went around the world and like saw all these different things and had these like very like unique life experiences and i think you know and also it's like we're similar ages and you know i the one of the things that we talk or that i sort of think is interesting is like you know his in sync was his high school like the embarrassing things you do when you're in high school is like in sync and like the the prom is that like denim on denim britney and <laughs> yeah. him picture and then like you know justified his first album as sort of like college right and right. then um like future sex is like kind of like your first like real job where you're like whatever and then 2020 is like you're sort of like i kind of made it so i'm gonna stunt so i have like the best director david fincher direct my music video yeah. i'm gonna have um the best designer do all of my suits and tom ford i'm gonna have the best rapper alive on my song or whatever and i think there is this like very like human experience that he's had on like a bigger scale and and because we're similar ages it's sort of like like that where it's like i remember i went to go see justified with um christina aguilera no no uh no that was i don't think it was with christina it was just it was justin performed i think it was still at the garden and i saw that with uh with the college humor people at the time and mm -hmm. we all bought tickets and like i remember i was sort of like oh i can like buy tickets for this thing that's kind of expensive now without like feeling too much guilt right and like um and i have future sex was like similar i think future sex must have been like during radar or the all or something like that mm -hmm. and then uh which is sort of like i like kind of that it, that one it was like my first real real job and then or i guess no that must have been college humor and then i either way future sex came out when i'd moved to la for grantland and that was sort of like a that that was like sort of at the time felt like stunting a little bit and so, well, so now we're here um, Although he has a kid and I don't, so right. But but for him, he has a different appreciation, or maybe an equal uh, appreciation, but a different experience with Pharrell. Clearly, yeah, than you do. But does he have the same sort of like? Well, we talk about it, right? Like, so on his first album, like they have clips on it, right? Like that's probably a lot of people's first introduction to the clips because it's before even Hell Hath No Fury. Yeah, I right. believe. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, the uh, first album. Had come no, no, out. it's after. It's after. It's after Lord, Lord Willen had come in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, and so it's sort of like that thing, like when you're in college and like you get into all these different other things. Like I remember, like I had a Clips, a Weezer, and um, some other bullshit. Like maybe like a Blink One Eighty Two poster in my room my freshman year of college. <laughs> so basic. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I, but my, you know, that my tastes are very basic. Like I have like very broad tastes of like whatever. Right. Um, but like it's sort of like that's the thing. Like that's sort of what you were into at the time because when you're in college, you're sort of like absorbing all these things and seeing all these interesting ways that you're like like i remember when i was in college like i think like, it's very weird like emo pop punk phase where i was like really into saves the day and like shit like that but, wow um yeah does he have an appreciation of kanye like you have an appreciation of kanye like does he i think like, it's just different intro i mean i he likes kanye i, I don't think i actually we haven't really talked about it, but i mean i think he likes things of wide ranging you know right. whatever because they're they're you know similar age too and and experience so i wonder like what that's like going through that yeah, but, but i don't Kanye's think he's also like on the other side of like and kanye like now is also just like i mean who like i say this is like the biggest kanye head and like i mean right i, I guess did we say we we're gonna talk about my experience with kanye or yeah no? oh yeah 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 no but like i mean i like i love kanye like one of the best concert experiences of my life or like live music experiences of my life was seeing him at the box like that night still is unrivaled as like the best 
way to see your favorite artist perform without any sort of like blemishes of like whatever but um but so i guess this was like probably f four years ago now when i was in i was when i was living in la i was at i was swimming at a friend's house and um and and they're like oh this this how's i was gonna say so i was swimming at aziz's house and aziz and kanye are friends and mm -hmm. and kanye was like aziz was like kanye's coming it's like oh fuck <laughs> and there were like four or five of us there and uh and and so we're he comes by and we're like like at this point like i'm just like oh fuck like also it's like one of those things like the day you you really like get to hang because i'd been to i'd gone to one of the watch the throne recordings but like we didn't really talk because there was a lot of people in the room at the time but like this was like one of the first times like kanye and i were really gonna be able to like presumably talk sure and i remember i was just like i dressed to go swimming at someone's house and so like i wasn't like looking I mean, I don't think I ever looked that cool, but, like, but I didn't but look the, cool. you, didn't, you didn't look the way you wanted to. Yeah, it's not the Kanye. way you want to sure. meet Kanye. <laughs> yeah. And so... Um, Were you wearing flip-flops? No, I mean, <laughs> come on. I was still me. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I actually remember what I was wearing. I was wearing Jordan 3s. I was wearing, wearing blue or true blue Jordan 3s. But um, <laughs> so he comes in and at some point, somehow we like all decided like we stopped swimming, we come in to talk to him. And um, I think we were listening to Tribe actually at the time, and so his Tribe is playing in the in the speakers and uh, shouts the consequence, yeah, shouts <laughs> the cons. and uh, and we're talking, and so we end up sitting in a way like we're kind of sitting at a table. I'm sitting on a sofa, but the table and sofa are really close to each other. Where it's like we were probably like Jeff and I are probably sitting. There's like three and a half feet between us. Yeah, mm -hmm. we were probably even closer than this from face to face. Like face to face, we were closer than that, and I was like freaking out. Um, <laughs> And I've like I've never wanted someone to like me more. Like I mean, you know, it's like I was just there. I was just like I was just like try, not not pandering, but I kind of wanted to be myself. Like laughing like extra hard. Well, you do that around famous people, no matter what. I think that's like a natural reaction. But I think it was just more like the idea of like I wanted to be myself, and I wanted him to like me for who I was. Right. Um, Did it work? No. And, uh, <laughs> and so so the music's playing, and he's like yo can we turn that down like i can't focus and i was like and so someone goes and turns it down and talk for like 10 minutes more and he's like so it's like really soft like you can barely hear it and then he's like um he's like yo someone's turned that off i can't focus and i was like we're like <laughs> okay so we're sitting there in silence and uh <laughs> and he starts talking and so this is like it's funny because the things he said while we were there and again this is like a pretty intimate setting it wasn't that dissimilar to the Westwood or Zane Lowe interview. One of those interviews they did around that time where he like went crazy. It was like in a studio in front of a soundboard. I don't know if it was, Zane, was Lowe. Zane Lowe. Was it mm -hmm. Zane Lowe? So yeah. it's like kind of stuff he was saying there where it's like people expect him to be pop because of his wife and all this stuff. And, um, and I was like, so I was just like ask questions because I was interested in what he's saying. And he's like, well, people expect that. I was like, well, he's like, people expect me to make music that isn't, uh, that isn't, that isn't popular. And that's why I made Jesus. And it's like, wait you think people want like people won't think you're gonna make radio friendly music because you're married to kim kardashian now he's like yeah that's what i think and i was like, being very aggressive and then and then i was like asking him something and he's like no that's not it that's not it and i was like oh fuck and then <laughs> so then and then like at one point yeah we keep talking and he's like he's told me no i'm wrong like two or three times <laughs> maybe twice at this point yeah twice at this point and then so then he starts talk, talking about his dentist being like how like his debt my dentist can't talk to me without bringing up uh making everything into a music analogy and it's like dentist fam i understand what it's like to go buy bread for my for my family you have to be like 
you don't have to say it like when you're me buying bread for my family is like when you're in the studio and then I was like, oh, it sounds like a chill dentist. <laughs> it's like, no, he's not a chill dentist. What do you not understand? And I was like, I was like, dude, I was just kidding. I was being sarcastic. That's like a Jeff joke. And he was like, he's like, he nods. He's like, oh yeah. Oh, I, I could see how that'd be funny. <laughs> he just kept going. <laughs> oh God. Great um, first impression with Kanye. Yeah, yeah. no. And so that, the other thing he said that I was sort of incredulous about after that was like, <laughs> I remember this very vividly because it was the probably the, you know, the day when you're the worst day of your life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, and then he was like, um, fuck what was i gonna say oh he was talking about how like how like uh he loves uber and how you know <laughs> he doesn't fly first class all the time and he was like how he took a southwest flight for something and he was like i was sitting i was sitting coach in between these two people and i was like i was like that must have been so weird for them to be sitting next to you on this flight and he looks at me he's like it was weird for everyone, man. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll go. I, I just remember I was like, oh, so now you hate me. Yeah. Um, which is, I, yeah. Uh, God. I mean, Kanye, it's, it's so complicated. Wait, so. Uh, and I'd seen him after that. He doesn't remember that at all. So it's, I mean, I, it's blank slate with him. So. But he remembers you. No, I don't think he remembers that probably. You don't think so? No, because think of how many fucking Asian kids that are excited to meet him he <laughs> must meet in his life. And like how I'm just like a, like a fleeting moment. Do you think, do you think if you were in a setting like you were at the studio, like you were, you know, meeting Pharrell, do you think if you were in this area that you had to get through security and you were there yeah. and he walked in, Kanye, Kanye? and he saw you? Would he? No, not at all. I wouldn't register in his brain. And him and I have been in settings like that, like a decent, like more times than on my hand I can count. Like I've been in their green room, like after watching, like yeah, but and you still don't think that he would recognize you? No, he meets so many people. Like I think your your the amount of retention you have for famous people, unless they're really good about it, mm-hmm. is pretty short. Like I, I yeah, told, but you made the dentist joke. He would remember that. <laughs> well, what if you were wearing your true blues. <laughs> no, he does, again doesn't remember any of that shit. No fucking way. Like I mean, I, you guys remember it's like the time. Oh God, <laughs> you can't. There's so many sentences here where it's like you just sound like an asshole. But there are things that we've talked about in the past that we should. We were like, we'll talk about this on the podcast, <laughs> right? Um, like that time when I met Jay Z for the first time, and you played. Connect for Jenga. Jenga, Jenga right? Yeah, yeah. sorry. And yeah. and Jay Z introduced to us the idea of a table burger, and he was at the Spotted Pig, and yeah. he, he was we we're having dinner, and um, it was like 10, 12 people, and he came to our table and sat with us for a while, and we were ordering. And he's like, "What'd you, what'd you guys get?" Because he came in late, and he was like, "No, oh, we got this, this, and this." He's like, "You guys didn't get a, a table burger?" And I was like, "What? <laughs> the burger for the table for everyone to share? There's, everyone wants a burger." You're like oh, that is a good point. Everyone does want a burger, um, so yeah, so we've got a table burger. I since then I've gotten a table burger. I don't credit to Jay, credit it to Jay Z. You really should. You just did right now. Yeah, well, yeah, but like yeah. that's because we're on a podcast yeah. about rap music, and like I'm just giving you all my rap stories at right. once because um, I have ten of them. Uh, <laughs> but no, so that was right after All Star. It was the first time I've been to All Star, and I actually met Steve Stout then. All Star New York City. No, it was in New Orleans. No, Orlando. It was in Orlando. Oh, you were there too. Yeah, we went, down, to that we went down there. Yeah, oh, that's weird. Yeah, that's why weird. wouldn't we have hung out? Uh, I was that was my first year with like ESPN and Grantland and stuff. So I'm sure like I I was like oh, caught up right. in all that stuff. Also, Orlando's a really like spread yeah, out. It was city. not easy to get around. Yeah. But I told him a story about how Benny the Bull was harassing Steve <laughs> Stout and like spraying like silly string on his head and his bald head and like rubbing it around. And Jay was like Jay like laughed at it. And also like I should say Jay Z is the dopest person of all time where yeah. incredibly care- I mean people say this is like the Bill Clinton style charisma where it's like the exact opposite experience I had with Kanye where it's like 
I loved him. He made it seem like he cared about you, and, and it was just like so. That's dope. awesome. Um, and it's so, and all of that makes sense. Like all of it, when you consider like the way they work and the the vibes of all that stuff, it, it all comes together. But um, so I told you that story. He he laughed really hard. I was like, oh fuck, this is it. <laughs> and I like I felt so comfortable that we, were, we started playing Jenga, and then he was like using two hands. I was like you can't use two hands, fam. And he was like. <laughs> Oh, all right. <laughs> See, but when I interviewed him for Rolling Stone, he said that was you. You had said that, that was his first time playing Jenga. He said it was not his first time playing Jenga. He told me that. I mean, who knows? I, I'm pretty sure that's true. But maybe it's not. Maybe he was just telling us that for whatever. But so then a week later, that next week, um, and this is how this re- re- goes back to sort of celebrity pers- human being retention. Um, Someone told me they were with Jay, and they're like, "Oh, he was telling us this funny story about Steve Stout and Benny the Bull." I was like, "Oh fuck, that's my story." He stole your bit? <laughs> no, he didn't steal my bit. He was just sort of like telling someone else a thing, which is I was like, "Oh my god!" Like I'm still in his brain. I was like, "I need to see him one more time in the next two weeks so I can really like cement this yeah, like, right. lifelong yeah. friendship we're gonna have." Right. It never happened. I mean, I saw him like a year later. He did not bring that up. <laughs> he did not remember. He did not remember me. He was like, "It's nice to meet you." I was like, "Yeah." It so- is. <laughs> How do you go from Wake Forest yes. graduating and moving to New York City? Which, by the way, had you been here before? No, I mean I was like a child, like when I was five. It was very—it's really weird. I mean, like because I, my freshman year at Wake Forest, everyone gets a laptop, and um, they have these things called RTAs that live on your, in your building, and like in your dorm or whatever. Mm-hmm. What's people, RTA? Resident technical advisor. So they're supposed to help you with your laptops or whatever. <laughs> my RTA ended up being this guy ricky van veen whoa who um at the time had just started college humor and he um we became kind of friends and like like at the time like i mean i i guess yeah we were friends and he was like just like we just got along whatever and i think he always was sort of like this guy's a goofball but he has interesting taste and whatever (laughs) and then um when i was graduating i was like looking for jobs and like it was like i was very nonchalant about it i mean the way that like sort of like kind of like not aimless but like the way 21 year olds can be nonchalant about like sort of like the job search and like the reality of those things like i think i kind of like stupidly assumed everything would work out um and uh and at the time ricky was like do you want to come work with us and i think at the time i wanted to be a writer so i'd like been applying to jobs to to sort of be um like i'd had internships and stuff like that in the past like in korea and in london um in like different capacities what was your major english Mm -hmm. and a minor in psych and uh and and so what do you want to write about just like anything i think i wanted to be an ed assistant at gq and i remember like i was talking to someone about it and they're like like this is how much it pays and it was like nothing <laughs> i was like fuck i'm poor i don't know how to do this shit and then ricky was like you want to come work with us it'll pay you we'll pay you this much which was more than that and i was like mm. oh shit i'll do this and then and so, that was to do what at college humor they had they had started a t-shirt company like a funny t-shirt company at the time and it, it was like probably six months old and they just like wanted someone to run it and so then um and that was busted tees that was busted tees and they'd started like a couple other things like that were like retail oriented and they're like sort of like like think about and i'd had like minor like marketing experience and stuff like that in my internships but ultimately like it was just sort of like well what if we tried this what if we tried that and he was just like all right cool just do this and then at the time it was four of them plus jeff rubin who's an intern and we all went to go work out of their apartment you were employee York. number uh, there was me streeter and, Az- and, a- and aziz or amir came in at the same time um and i guess we were technically six seven and eight wow like simultaneously because we all started the same day and then <laughs> amir and i met and we became roommates at that point um so what was new york city like for you like was it it was pretty dope <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, no, but, but like was it like 
too big was it too fast was it no i don't think i was like i wasn't internalizing things that way i was just sort of like hey like again like it's very weird like especially considering how i am now it's like i didn't really think about anything i was just sort of like i just kind of went with it and like josh and ricky at that point had just been in the new york times and the new yorker and gotten like they'd like leveled up as like sort of like where they existed and you know and they were sort of like on gawker a bunch and all this shit and uh and so like I remember um, at the time, like they would just like take me to all these things because like we were all just friends, and like I would always go with them as like their plus one to all these like random media things or random whatever things, and I'd be like, holy shit, this is kind of dope. You're making it sound like you know Gawker was no big deal, and Gawker was like the place to be. But it's in not media. a big deal when you think of the size of it, right? So at the time, Gawker probably had maybe one and a half million readers at most. It's not that many. It's being run by two people. It right. wasn't what it is today no, but it had like that that cachet of like oh you're hanging out at gawker you're hanging out on the rooftop like yeah. so you it already... was, at the time there was no rooftop it was at den's apartment like that's where it was going down which like I, but like at the time that none of that shit mattered to me like i didn't give a fuck like i didn't know who this guy was i remember the first time i met nick denton who started gawker i was like and he's like this weird dude he's like mellowed out now but like i remember being <laughs> like oh like and i'm so earnest and so nice this is like literally the first week i live in new york i'm like oh like you helped um josh and josh and ricky out this has been great for them thank you so much and he's like he's like yeah uh i like their traffic because at the time college humor would link to things and they would link to gawker stories and help gawker's traffic or whatever and i was like yeah i mean totally but like i mean it's like really changed their lives like you can see like the market difference and like whatever and he's like yeah i like the traffic we literally had this exchange like fucking three times and he's like all right this is we might be done here as as for this conversation but like, yeah, I mean, I, 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 at the time, like, it's crazy to think back to it now. And I, I guess I haven't really, but just like New York was just sort of like, it was really fun. And it was like, it was like, you're living like sex in the city. Like we, I remember going like so house and bullshit like that. Who did you meet that, that ended up leveling up like pretty quickly? Well, I mean, it's crazy to think that all of those comedians at the time, like were, I mean, relatively nobody, whether it's an Aziz or a Nick Kroll or a Chelsea Peretti. And, like, these people that we would, like, hang out with and watch Lost with would <laughs> now are, like, all, like, sort of alt-comedy dudes. But, I mean, you know, I I, I think testament to those people, they're all, like, still pretty much the same people. But, I mean, at the time, like, none of it, like, you don't think about any of that stuff. And also because it didn't feel, everything didn't feel as sort of, like, now everything feels like it has repercussions or potentially because, like, everything's documented on the internet and, like, Twitter's really big and you know like pick their instagram things everywhere and you can sort of have all these like broadcast these things that are happening but this was still at the tail end of like i think twitter came out in 2007 this is there's so there's like two years of like or three and twitter didn't become big until 2008 or 2009 it's like they're all there's still this time where you can sort of like just do shit and like you know none of it's about like posturing and none of it's like about all this other stuff so what was what was the difference between college humor before and after it was bought by barry diller it, it didn't really change i mean the college humor's most marked change probably happened like after I'd left, I think. I mean, like, I the only thing that the Barry thing, the IAC and Barry sale changed was we got bigger offices <laughs> and stuff like that. We They doubled down on Vimeo, which was good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but yeah, I mean, it didn't really change, like, culturally, you know. And what about your title? How much did that change? In I mean, nothing there? changed. No. I, like, I, I came in. But you were it, more than just the busted tease, you know. Sort of. I mean, I came that. in at, like, an, at a inflated title for a 21-year-old. <laughs> I just, instead of, like, it going up, I just became more adept at being able to handle those things. And, like, I learned how to, like... And, again, at the time, like, if I was, like, smarter, I would have, like, honestly worked even harder than I did. Because at the time, we worked really hard because it, like, it was, like, a frat. You know, like, I remember, like, 
we like I organized like a field day for us, like where we were like <laughs> split up in the teams and fucking play games. But it was like a frat because we'd all moved to New York at the same time. Um, it was all like guys of a similar age or guys and some girls of a similar age, and you know we just all hung out together all the time. Yeah, and and then you know and then I made like my own friends and you know whatever. But um, but no, I I think like it's crazy because it's like I learned a lot about how the internet affects retail and how the internet affects communication. And I think those are things that. I sort of always think about inherently because like I'm like now I'm like a very like curious person about the way things work and blah 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 like I mean even the stuff you're talking about like how like in you know sort of kids who are isolated who find their communities online how that affects like the global like workforce like things like that like I didn't think like that at the time I was just sort of like oh well you know we need to like I remember like they incentivized me like okay if we reach I think it was like it was like how much was it it was like if we make like 200 grand in sales for this month we'll get you a new pair of sneakers and i was like all right i'll figure out how to do that <laughs> so i did that which is a horrible deal for me because <laughs> it was like a 150 dollar pair of sneakers i was like oh this is I'm, i may have fucked this up um but then uh but yeah but i just i, I think i learned a lot from them just like but it's also a different time like at the time like startup culture wasn't a thing like startup culture in new york especially wasn't a thing like it wasn't this thing like wherever like today where it's like everyone wants to be an entrepreneur and there's all these like there's so many like it's it's such uh, being an entrepreneur is such a job now like that it was people not aspire the thing back then not really I like mean, you, you weren't running the same circles as like um what's no his name from tumblr and yeah i mean we were all in the same circles but it wasn't the same thing where it's like you didn't have kids at business school like you know if you go to gsb or like hbs right now like a business school in stanford or business school in harvard it's like all those kids all they want to do is start their own companies and they want to you know blah 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 it's like that wasn't a thing at that point it didn't become normalized until i think like probably because of like david carp and tumblr and things like that and because of the twitter dudes and because of you know and that's how you have evan from you know uh snapchat becoming a becoming who he is because like we met zuckerberg like really early because one of our good friends was the first sales guy at facebook hmm. and he's just like this weirdo and we're just like <laughs> oh this is weird and he came to our office and we hung out and like whatever but like it's not he was but what was he wearing literally the same i mean it was, it was the same thing were yeah, you I like mean, this guy could be president of the united states of america no i just remember <laughs> thinking he was very weird and he was like he's like he's very soft-spoken he's just like a little weirdo and it's like i'm sure i mean he was really young at the time were like, you on facebook yeah uh i got i mean we wake forest didn't have it when i was there but or no we had it when i was there but it was still really early i mean yeah. it wasn't what it was now like i remember i think i got my senior year and i was like fuck if this had been around when like i was in college like the like girls i mean that that, that was my primary i was like oh sure. there's so many girls in my class that i could have like messaged um but no i but yeah i mean that wasn't a culture of that like now it's like such a there's a tv show about it. like i remember i wanted to write a tv show about ricky and josh i don't think i've ever even told you guys this like i, I wrote out like some of a pilot where i was like oh this is like there would be a funny tv show of like entourage but new york but with these like dudes who start a website and then come into all this like world or whatever and then like i remember i started it i told ricky but i was like don't do it he was <laughs> and like then it turned into uh, silicon valley that's right i mean it's different than that because it was more about like it was more entourage where it's like they kind of like fall in like these two dudes and because i knew ricky is like you know a 20 year old he's like kind of like didn't know his way in the world and like now he's fucking you know just yeah going to like the met ball and yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's like and so you sort of see that thing of like oh there's this kid yeah who's this thing and then he's put in this world that's and really wild this other thing yeah it's, it's crazy to say it all like that but yeah i mean that was did you go to his wedding i didn't because okay. i mean once i stopped working at college humor i guess Ricky and i were still close for a while and then i mean we've we've become closer recently but mm -hmm. i mean his wedding was small and it was like this uh, in like montana or something right yeah and it was also like i mean it was just a shitload of famous people and like i didn't 
have the I, I don't have the Q score to. to <laughs> so when did you know it was time to leave College Humor? I think it was sort of like I hadn't been getting along. Like they gave me a boss at one point through ISC, and I didn't get along with him really. And it was sort of like whatever. I actually wanted to transition into media. I'd been talking to this magazine called Radar for a while, and I was like, oh, this is really interesting. And it was sort of like, how do you have a magazine succeed on the internet? And like, what does that look like? And I think because I'd wanted to work at magazines before, and like I was just like, oh, this is like cool. And it was like, it seemed like a cool opportunity, and it seemed like they were doing something. Like Radar at the time was like, it was sort of seen as the next talk or the next spy. Um, like these like sort of like fabled pu- publications that sort of have this like, like kind of like they make a general interest magazine that doesn't pander to these like with the whims of all these things. And I was like, oh, this is cool. And so I think it was sort of like, I, I think we both sort of saw the right on the wall and I was like, it kind of like made sense for me to move on. And I like, it had gone so far away from being just like us and our friends hanging out. There wasn't like feelings or anything like that. And so then I took like a month and a half off where like, I literally just like watched uh, on demand in my apartment all the like every day because it was so hot in the summer <laughs> but like, i just remember being like oh like i shake my time off and like whatever and so then i did that and then did that change your dynamic with amir at all because amir was such like a huge part of college humor still no i mean like i would still be like i think i was still in like like i i was in the first hardly working which was just it was, which was like an original content series that we did which by the way complex is doing like something very similar to that now yeah like, yeah, so that, yeah yeah um but like i think the first one was me throwing a hoodie at Jake and then the hood like we did a cut where the hoodie was on Jake right, right when it landed and that was like the very first hardly working I mean it was first Jake and Amir I don't remember but like it's like no I mean we were all still friends and like we still hang out and all that stuff I mean none of that was weird I think it was just because it became like one of those things like I had like I started making other friends and like like who did who worked in media or who were in like I don't know right, other circles, like yeah. yeah and and they sort of stayed in that circle and like grew, went deeper on like you know I have, I have three big remembrances from your time at Radar. Um, one Jeff is met. that you met Jeff, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, two is that you, uh, when I met you for the first time, it was when which Radar is like ten years ago, which is crazy. Was honoring Now Right and yeah. uh, SK. That who, that issue that issue was planned before I worked there. Okay, but obviously I was like so excited because like I was a huge Now Right fan. Yeah, and I right. loved it. like SK was like a famous person to me. And, and like um, and and by the way, like what that meant to our community of you know this blogging, uh, yeah. you know hip hop internet, you know group of ours like meant a lot. There was like that was like yeah. Some well, because we of, had like, there were other people on the list who were like more like famously famous or sure. like, or like New York Times like contributors and stuff like that and like Concrete Loop too. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like him. Uh, is that Angel? Is that the name of it? Angel, yeah. 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 Angel. And then there are two other people, I think, that were lumped into this sort of like before black internet was a thing that yeah. sort of like identified it as this like huge influence on this very important, very like active group on. And it's still sort of an underrepresented group within the general context of media because it still hides out in like the corners of like VH1 rather than in like mainstream shit. Right. And it's crazy that like, you know, that's but, not more of a thing. Well, no, I, I think it ends up being a huge thing because. You know everything that that black Twitter declares like important ends up tw- you yeah. know becoming important. I mean the most and, recent example of that I remember the most recent like the biggest most recent example is probably Khaled. Like DJ Khaled is like born out of black Twitter that becomes active on, on mainstream yeah. and then now he's like everywhere. I or really could be black Snapchat um, or black internet. Yeah, black internet. Um, I just think it's crazy that you and I were introduced because. Our mutual well, I, I wasn't even like very close with Neil, but Neil was like, "You guys both like rap, 
Yeah, yeah, and Neil's like one of my best friends. Like, right. I, and yeah, it's I don't think he even realized what he said into my. Like, who knew that when he did that ten years ago that we'd be recording this podcast today? <laughs> wow. You know, yeah, podcasts weren't even a thing then. But the uh, the third were. the third big thing that happened at Radar was that uh, Radar, Radar changed. Uh, it got sold. Yeah, it got sold, and and their whole like. Yeah, now changed. it's like now it's it was it was bought by AMI, which is the, and you left. Yeah, it's well, like I stayed longer than anyone else because they. So at the time, like I things that happened where I was sort of like in charge of uh, like the entire digital part of it, mm-hmm. and I remember I got a call that morning or like an email being like, "How do you turn off everyone's email address?" <laughs> and I was like, I was like, I don't know. Like someone like one of like the execs, like the person who owned Radar is. Um, this guy who's jesse jackson's son and uh at the time he was like the biggest investor he emailed me and we'd had some meetings and he was like how are you turn off everyone's email address i was like i don't know <laughs> and i was like uh guys <laughs> and so I, I turned around and i was like guys um this might be a thing <laughs> and then they figured it out and then it closed that day and everyone got drunk and whatever but, but then they kept me on so they were like <laughs> we need someone to help with the transition to figure shit out and they're like will you do that and i was like yeah, I was talking with my friends. <laughs> no, no. Well, it was like everyone had gone. I was like, I was like, I don't know. I mean, what do you want me to do? They're like, come to our office, you know, and just like whatever. And and we'll pay. They're like, we'll pay you more than your salary to do this. And I was like, I, was like, I guess I don't have a job. So, yeah, I, I guess I'll do that. Sure. Well, what's crazy is two weeks before Radar ended, we started meeting about the all. And we started being like Corey... Oh. Alex and I have been like, let's leave Radar and start this thing. So for anybody who doesn't know the all, and that's that's AWL, um, it was – what would you call it? Like uh, General interest website about the media. I mean it was like – No, God. what was the slogan though? It was oh, like – Be less stupid. Be, be less, less stupid. Yeah. But but it, it was supposed to be like – A smarter gawker. A smarter gawker. Yeah, because gawker at the time, it turned into a more – a closer version of what it is today where it's like a little bit broader and like whatever. And I mean you had these guys who are really good writers who had like uh, – you know who had sort of an an audience and we were like well you know this is a time on the internet where you could still make money off words and we're like well you know why don't we give this a shot like i was like i was aware of how much money we're making at radar and like sort of how it worked i was like okay well i think we could apply this to this and sort of find efficiencies here and there because it's like we wouldn't have to get office like there's all this like it's like if we cut a lot of the overhead and we cut but we you know have like a much smaller amount of content but we monetize it in a certain way i was like there's like maybe something here so we'd had those meetings and they got closed and then so I was using my AMI money, which was literally me just going to their office. I'm like, uh, I forget. It's like near Kips Bay, I guess. And and being like, not knowing anyone, no one knowing why I was there. Every now and again, they'd ask me a question about WordPress. And I was just like, like in some days I'd be like, hey guys, I think I'm going to work from home today. They're like, okay, fine. Because no one knew me. And then like at some point, I think someone was like, I don't think you have to come in anymore. I was like, okay. But it's like, I literally don't, I never met a single person there except for the one person who like, brought me in that first day and i would sit at a cubicle and i'm like who the fuck is this kid and um but when you guys started the all there were three employees right yeah it was the three of us yeah it was the three of us for a long time how scary was that it wasn't scary until we started making like until it started like turned a corner a little bit and started making money and then and then you kind of like got this thing of like, but 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 why was why was it scary when you turned the corner because you because because now all of a sudden there's your investors their money back and then there's no investors it was us yeah, it was just us. No, no, but eventually, like, did, you never got no, funding. No, we never got funding. We It became, like, a lifestyle business, and we could, like, support ourselves. So that's the thing where it gets scary, because then all of a sudden, it's, like, every, like, you know, you make money every month, and you get paid every month from these different people that advertise on your website. 
And it's like, well, fuck, if I don't do this, then the livelihood of these people is now on me. And I remember I was I, I was on the high line at some party. Actually, I was at the IC building for some party. And like I like walked down the high line. I was like, fuck, like this is a lot of fucking pressure because it's like you don't want people to not eat now because you don't have your shit together because it, it's just, it was just different than when it started. Because when it started, it was sort of like we're all doing this on a, on a lark. Who knows if this will work or not? So then when it starts working, it's like, well, now we have to make it keep working and make it get bigger and all this shit. So and, you're selling ads against... Yeah, against the content. I mean, it was a side of time where you could make more money off ads and, and all these other different things that we would do. And, like, you know, I... You know, you're doing I, sponsored posts and whatever. Yeah, we would do And like, you were the yeah, publisher. Yeah, we did, like, we fucking... We did, like, sponsored posts and, like, native ads before, like, anyone... Like, we built, like, native ad units and all this stuff that I thought... At the time, I was like, well, if I'm a brand, like, why wouldn't I want to be associated with this, this, and this? I was like... And they would be like, well, can you make us the, a car co- or like Gillette would be like, can you make us content about razors? And I was like, no, but like, if you want men, then we can write men's content that, uh, that sort of addresses these types of people that you want. And then they were like, okay, so then we'll do that. And so I, and then I would just write that stuff. And like, that's why I wrote that thing about why men should own sweaters, <laughs> why you shouldn't a cast iron skillet. Yeah. Um, I think I wrote something about Gilmore Girls at one point. Oh, um, see, big mistake by, by GQ to not, you know, up their no, money and you could have been over there yeah, and. Yeah, yeah. A legacy <laughs> um but and then we did that and then that's when i sort of like i'd gotten really into bill simmons at the time and then well and i remember when you took those meetings you told us that there was one job that you would take where you would leave the all yeah because the all just started like the all like started to become like pretty good for like and another thing by the way that that you deserve credit for is you had all these verticals in mind that yeah. would end up becoming split cider and yeah i mean the my my thinking was always sort of like well what if we could just like get rid of like you know the intermediary between writers their audience and the people that pay them and sort of like okay well if you let people build audiences and just build a structure where it's like they can get paid a certain amount of money per audience and per uh volume of their website and so it's sort of on them so you just give them the system so it's like okay how much money you want to make is on you and we'll just give you the platform for it and we'll help you so, like grow it and we'll give you the infrastructure and all that stuff. And I think that was like at the time, this was in 2010 um, and nine, like, you know, it, that was like a thing that we could have done. And I remember, yeah, like that was what I wanted to do. And then the only thing, yeah, like to your point, like the only thing that I was like, oh, I'll leave this for would be to do something with Bill, which is essentially the same thing. It's the idea of saying you have a human being with an audience. How do you maximize the things around him so that he can maximize the uh the revenue that he can generate from his audience and like i remember i told someone like i get that was like there's like there are three things i think i need to do to get this job and i was like very confident i was like i just need to get i need to have him know who i am i need to get in the new york times so that he knows that we're credible and then fuck i don't even remember what the third thing was <laughs> but like i remember like so katie baker at the time had had an end to him because he was a fan of hers so i was like katie write a column for us and and she was, she was working at Deadspin at the time. I don't even know. She was like, or actually, she was in finance. She was in finance, like we're, we're ready yeah. freelance. Yeah. And I was like, so then I was like, Katie, write something. And then she's like, okay. And then I talked to Alex and Cora. I was like, I'm gonna blow this post out. Where I was like, which has been like building like, these <laughs> little images for it and like whatever. And then and then he, I was like, Bill, see that. And then he did. And then we got in the Times, and there was like this Times uh, story about us. And then he saw that. And then I remember like I emailed Bill. I was like, Bill, I heard you're starting something. <laughs> You know, I have a job that I love, like, but if you ever want to talk, if you ever need any, like, sort of, like, whatever, like, any bodies to help with anything, like, just, like, as a, you know, because I support your movement, like, let me know. And he's like, nah, we're good, thanks. Oh, <laughs> really? Yeah. I t- and so then, 
so then and this was like in uh january of that same year and then on cinco de mayo um someone's like oh what's your phone number uh bill's gonna call you and i was like what the fuck and then he called me and then we sort of like i had like contract negotiations for like two months with espn david one of the most impressive things about you is the level of executives that you are able to reach can you give the people out there a little insight into how you get into these these rooms i mean uh besides that like i think there's just the idea of you know i think a lot of times and this is something I, i'd say this is the biggest thing i've gleaned over the last few years is just like you know all these people are people right like they're human beings who make very human decisions and i think a lot of times we want to sort of like put uh, you know assume that like whether it's a famous person or whether it's a company or whether it's whatever it's like that these things are comprised of people who are capable of making decisions like sort of objectively or, or greater than like larger than themselves and i think one of the things that's been really interesting is the idea to see like so pretty much all these people function in the way regular people do like they have their own self-interest they have things that motivate them and they have sort of they make decisions in the way regular people do and i think that's one of those things that when you realize it's a person like it sort of makes everything possible right so you know i think like they're the they're, they're like people that are like geniuses right like they're groundbreaking geniuses like the yeah steve. two of us right <laughs> nice yeah <laughs> um no but like there's like the steve jobs of the world that like change everything but like eventually when you look at like you know the people underneath them or the people further away from the the genius whoever that is it's regular people that surround them so it's very much like you know a dude who just wants to make it through their day and just wants their boss to tell them that they're doing a good good job you know i think like the the pepsi commercial is like a really interesting example of that where it's like ultimately that was just probably like seven people who made like sort of a weird decision and decided to let that get through and it just so happened that those seven people just had like a lapse of judgment or they were just saying there it was their boss's idea and they're like yeah this is a good idea so i would say like the biggest thing to realize is like if you think about it as like everyone's just a regular person then that sort of like opens up the door to being like well pretty much anything's possible like you know like you know i i think I'm always surprised by a how easy it is to get a hold of people, and I can just like email people and be mm-hmm. like, "Hey, I'm a fan of this thing." People love giving advice, and if you're just like, "Oh, do you have a second to give me advice about this, that, or the other?" Like most people respond. Like you might not get Kanye, but if you went for Don C or Virgil, like maybe two years ago, you probably could have gotten them on some tip. I think if you see that like on Twitter, on and more so on Instagram now, it's like those things like. Every famous person, for the most part, reads their Instagram comments. Like that's like it is a very real thing. And I think the biggest thing I think is just like the idea of like there's there's certain people that have a few ideas that are better than other people's ideas. But for the most part, when they're not having those dope ass ideas, they're a normal person and they're a person who wants you know who just like has normal values. It's but- so it's it's so crazy. I just want to interject for a second, Jeff. Um, I, in college, uh, I was I was a part of this class. We had to do this research project uh, in. It was a film business course, and how do you get a, a film made from you know the pre-production all the way to ancillary rights? And so, you know, it was our job to get budgets. And I, this is at a time when like uh, phone books were a thing, right? So I called Neil Moritz, you know, that? Fast and Furious. Oh, yeah. the of all the and, Fast and Furious movies. And I left him a message on his answer machine, and he called my my college house. And one of my roommates is like Neil's on the phone, and I'm like, I have no idea. I don't know anyone named Neil. And Neil Moritz. Because I left a message that was interesting enough that I reached out to him directly, 
He said, here's the name of every producer on my film, associate producer, executive, whoever. They'll give you the budget. And I took an actual film budget for the original Fast and Furious into my class just because I had something to say because I reached out directly and because he's a human being. Yeah. And if you just talk to them like they're regular, like they're, like all these people are regular people. It's like, you know, and it's interesting because like, you know, one of the things that when I was in L.A., there's this uh, there's this agent that I know who I'm not a huge fan of, but like. He has access to sort of these incredibly powerful people, like including like Warren Buffett, who's like a personal hero of mine. And I was like, it's like, why does why is Warren Buffett hanging out with this like agent? And um, and someone's just like, honestly, Warren Buffett just wants to be around famous people. And it's so interesting that like Warren Buffett, arguably the smartest, you know, sort of clearly the most successful man of like a certain generation. He's one of the richest people in the world. Ultimately, it's just like, yeah, kind of want to be around famous people. Like, that's that's such an interesting thing. Like, the idea that you have this person that I would have con- – like, I read a fucking 1,100-page book about Warren Buffett's life, about how he came up from nothing, how he's raised his family, how he's had all these different successes and challenges, whatever. And ultimately, at the end of the day, he's just like, yeah, man, it's kind of dope to go to dinner with Kate Hudson. You know, it's like that, But, like, that's like a very real – like, that's a, that's a, it's a very human – reaction and when you think about it that way once you sort of like take people off pedestals and not in a way where you're like condescending towards them but more in a way where it's like it brings you closer to them it should a empower you to sort of be like fuck man if i have a good idea like i can kind of hustle and make something happen but then b it sort of hopefully allows you to feel more like you know empowered to sort of pursue things that you feel really strongly about and obviously like you should be self-aware and you should be like listen like not every idea you have is great and not every whatever, you know, it's like not everything that you try to do will be successful necessarily. But I think it's interesting to think that like success and like accomplishing things is actually more within your grasp than you would have thought. And I, you know, that to me is like one of those things, like the humanization of everything. And when you think, when you break things down, it's like people being people and that like, you know, and again, like if you can't get the first guy, you might not even be able to get the second guy, but I bet there's like a third guy who no one ever emails for anything and he's a hundred percent happy to like talk to you and like, you know, become, you know, uh, become accessible to you. So, I mean, again, it's like not about like infiltrating these rooms or like getting in these circles or anything like that, but more just sort of like if you have something to say and you, you think there's people that can help you accomplish those things and that, that, and if that thing can be helpful for the other person, right? Cause it's ultimately like, if it's like, oh man, I just like really want to be in Kanye's entourage. That's stupid. Right. But if you have an idea where you think he could be a platform, it's interesting that you could go in through these third or fourth guys and they could take an idea to Kanye because ultimately it makes them look dope if they bring a good idea to him. So it's like, you know, I think that's one of the things that the internet's really allowed us to do where it's like you have accessibility. I guess even before the internet, cause your Neil Merch right. story, it's like, you know. I mean, for for anyone out there who um, who wants to to you know get an idea to Kanye, like I think too, like become your own Kanye, you know, like be your own sort of like. Well, that's the other thing where today it's like we're at a time where it's like everyone can sort of like amass a certain size of audience. It's like there is a difference between like I think like a Kanye audience and and an Uzi Vert audience, and you know whatever. It's like I mean I think you see when you look at people like Cuddy's like a really good example, right? Cuddy like clearly his maximized his fan base but it's probably not going to get bigger than it is right now it's like he has probably 150,000 people who will definitely spend $20 every time he has an album or maybe even more because they buy ticket sales too but like that they'll definitely buy his album and that's why you see him make those significant like those same 
album sales numbers that are pretty impressive Mm -hmm. every single album even though he hasn't done anything necessarily in a mainstream way since day and night and and things like that and i think we're at a time now where it's like you can amass an audience right but it's just a matter of like i think going back to like tying it into the other thing it's like just do both like always like work hard always do shit like that and then always just like think about things in a very practical way like don't ever think like you can't do something you you might not the thing you want to do might not be as successful as you want it to be but you always have a chance to do it. So you shouldn't cut it off before you start, you know, which I think is just, it's an interesting thing to think about. And just like, I think, I, you know, I, I keep saying it, but like just all these people are just people, you know, they have like, they have like, they're not that different from you. Their decision-making processes aren't that different from you. Is there any short way to describe um, owning your own ideas and how important that is? I think people are always afraid that their ideas are going to get stolen and stuff like that. And I think people are less shitty than than people think, especially on that level, right? There might be like like a small dude might steal your idea, and who knows? Maybe the third or fourth guy in the circle that you want to get into will steal your idea. But fuck, man, like you know, if you had one good idea, you'll have another one. And you know, it's like if that's like being too precious with yourself and being too like whatever. Also, not being willing to just be like humble and be like sort of, you know, uh, be be willing to sort of like be like, hey, you know, I. I, I don't know much, but this is a, a humble attempt at whatever. Like that's always, you know, yeah, I think you just always have to go in with confidence and also with a self-awareness of like what the reality of your situation is. What was the original vision for Grantland? I mean, the original vision is what it was. It's like build an orbit around Bill, make something really good, um, write, have really good content, uh, really Bring good in writing. Bring and... Yeah. Well, wait, but was there, was there, were there any lines drawn in terms of like how ESPN would be involved? Or I think not it, involved? we were really good with ESPN. I mean, the guy who's the now CEO, president of ESPN, this guy John Skipper, who was really close with Bill and who, like, I had to interview with, like, to get my job. Like, I had to interview with, like, four different suits to get my job. And John was the, like, the final boss. And he was, like, the easiest one. And he was, like, the <laughs> dopest dude. He's, like, this great Southern guy who's, like, so smart and so well read. And just, like, and we just talked about media the entire time, media <laughs> and sports. And I was like, oh, I can, I can talk about these things. Um, and then, uh, but no, but John was great. Um, John Walsh was there at the time, who's sort of like his deputy as when it comes to content and stuff like that. And John Walsh, like, essentially made Sports Center the thing it was at its peak of Sports Center. Right. Um, and then, uh, and those guys were great. Connor was involved. He was great. Him and Bill were really close. Um, and then the other executives were all sort of supportive because their boss was into it. And so they were like really helpful to us. And, you know, that, that was like a slightly weird dynamic at ESPN because like we would get like sort of like preferential treatment where it's like we'd be allowed to do whatever we wanted and it wouldn't be whatever. Like I remember my first meeting in Bristol, I had like 80% of the people were so nice and 20% of the people were like dicks because they're like, fuck you, man. Like, cause I was just sort of like really positive. I was like, oh, well, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And they're like, and these are people who are like, have been like in a corporate system that sometimes doesn't afford them to do things that are really interesting, which I get and I'm sympathetic to. I don't think you should be rude to me because of that, but, but, um, but like I understood it at the time. And you knew that you had to move to Los Angeles. Yeah. And I was like, ready. Like I'd lived in New York for like six or seven years at that point and, or I guess six years. And I was sort of like, I've been thinking about it and like, I was like, oh yeah, why not? Um, and so I moved to LA. How are LA rap shows different than New York rap shows? I bet you, I stopped going to rap. I mean, is that a joke question? No, I, I, don't, question? I don't remember if you went to things or not. I remember I went you, to things that like, I, I, like I said, my, my taste, I guess I was a little more into rap at the time where I was like, I knew about Wale before, like when he was like doing go-go shit and stuff like that. But then like, right. I think I stopped being like, I, we got, we get old or I got old <laughs> and like, I stopped being that stuff. So like LA, I, I don't think I ever went to a rap show in LA, 
and all that, except for like Jesus right. and Watch the Throne. Like that, those are the only ones. I but what to. did you do in LA besides drive a lot and like? I don't know. I just like hung out with comedy writers and ate a lot of Korean food. And honestly, like I mean, the LA and New York. You guys, we've talked about LA and New York a lot because there was a time when you guys were even thinking about going out there. And you know, I I think LA is a really cool city to visit, and I think it's great to live there if you work in entertainment or if you're if you're sort of like settled down with your life and stuff like that. But it's not a place to like really grind. No. And I think that combined with the ESPN job was one that was so like sort of um it was like very cushy it was like very easy in the sense that it's like you have like the largest media organization of all time like allowing you to do all the stuff you want to do and you can sort of be like well I want to do this and if you give them a good reason they were sort of like very amenable to that when did you realize that Bill was not long for ESPN I don't think you I don't think any of us saw it coming coming like that I mean he says he saw it coming now but like I think (laughs) You know, I mean, I knew I wasn't long for ESPN because at some point, like, so I'd started another website over there called Five Thirty Eight, um, mm-hmm. where we. Recruited. Oh yeah, can you talk about that real quick? Like, I mean, there's nothing to talk about. Like, Nate had a Nate Silver, who was this guy at the time who had predicted the election in 2008 for the New York right, Times. For the New York Times, um, we sort of were like, oh, what if we got this dude? And what if we like? Build? So essentially, what if we made the all? It was like we built different verticals within ESPN. Um, and like sort of back them and like sort of fund them in an interesting way. And so we like identified actually two other websites that we wanted to buy that um, we ended up not doing. But, but can you talk about those or no? No. But to get him. Oh, yeah. Actually, one, one I can because one closed. Uh, I wanted to buy Lucky Peach, which was Dave Chang's um, thing at the time. And mm-hmm. then the other one, I don't remember what it was, but there were four. But to get to get 538, to get Nate Silver, you had to fight off the new york times yeah that was weird it was the new york times and i think the wall street journal or maybe it was the washington post i forget who else it was but i'm like i mean i like so i was like there were three lines of of communication into nate one was sort of the friend line which was bill because bill had like was a fan of nate's and, and he'd been on the podcast yeah it's like sort of celebrity friendship the other one was the executive tip which was skipper which um john is sort of like a very charismatic dude who just is like i'm a boss come here do boss things <laughs> and then i was supposed to sort of be the the young person to be like, here's a vision for what you can be and here's how we'll support it and here's the things we do. And so we just like go out to dinner, get drunk and like talk about <laughs> the internet and talk about what he could do for a while and like and things like that. And like I remember like I would write like it's pretty crazy. Like I have these like recaps that I would write like super hungover the next morning, be like, here's what we talked about, here's what it was, here's what I think the deal point should be and blah blah blah. And so then that's To yeah. send to Bristol? I'd send it to Skipper, mm-hmm. my immediate boss, Bill, and then I think one other person. Um, but so I was sort of like, this is what I think this could be. And then we started like, we we're like, we're going to double down this where we'd have like uh 30 for 30 would be part of it. And like, we we're like going to make this mm-hmm. a consortium and all this stuff. And then at some point, like, I think, you know, different executives sort of like got like, we're just like mad at us and whatever. And then my, my life just became harder because it was like the executives and I didn't get along. And I was like, all right, well, <laughs> this might've run its course. And, and that's where sort of like the, the more recent shit that I've been doing has like become more of a thing well I, I just have one more ESPN question I don't know yeah. if you well, I was going to ask if ESPN has done right by 538 it, it, like... I think so I think they're I think they're pretty I think they they treat them pretty well I think 538 did a great job with the election they have a really popular podcast I think um... I think it's weird that people have turned on Nate Silver the way they have because I think that everybody wants like a hundred percent certainty of well, also, how the election never, is going to go. I mean, so he's never like this is a hundred percent what will happen he's right. always like this is the percentage chance of this thing occurring and yeah it's like you know, it's like it's just a matter of people don't people want it to be very binary, but it's like not. It's like you know, he's always like this. There, there's like all these grays and stuff like that. Right. And people don't understand like when it says there's a twenty percent of something happening. It's one in five chances that that will happen. Yeah. 
And I think that's one of the things where it's like also, I mean, I think obviously the election season, all that stuff is very fraught with a lot of emotion in general. Right. You know, like, so I think you combine that with this dude who you believe, like, I mean, I remember I talked to like the Obama bros, like the day before I was like, listen, like how worried should we be? They're like, we got this in the bag. The day, like they told me about like, like voter file data. That's like all this stuff where it's like, they have all the information on all the voters of the last, like whatever elections they know exactly who they are so they know exactly who they need to get to to make sure this is fine and they've gotten all those people like it's all good blah 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 blah. blah. Like, i remember i was at the viewing party i was at and like we were talking about that i was like obama bro said it was fine like it'll be <laughs> fine and like um and and then obviously what happened happened i was like lot and then i like walked out of a, a restaurant in the west village and i was like in a daze and i was like i didn't know how to walk back i was like lost and i was like I was like, I just had to like get in. Like, I couldn't even get a cab because I like couldn't figure out which direction to face. Because I was like, this is fucking it, uh, horrible. It was horrifying. Yeah. Um, what was your recipient question? What thirty for thirties did not get made that you thought would get made? <sighs> There's a couple. I don't. I mean, I don't want to say because Bill okay. might still make documentaries. But so. um, can you talk about seeing the OJ documentary while it was in the edits? I don't think I even saw edits of it. Like, I think I saw footage. Like, mm-hmm. I remember the day they got Furman was, like, big. They're like, we got Furman. Sure. <laughs> to talk, which is huge. Because yeah. he hadn't talked, I don't think, publicly about any of this stuff since right. then. And, like, I just remember, like, I mean, you sort of, like, when you hear the premise of what's getting made and then you see the people who are doing it, you're like, oh, this is going to be a fucking monster. <laughs> it's like, it's like the Watch the Throne of documentaries. It's yeah. like, oh, OJ, ESPN, and Ezra, who's, like, clearly a great director <laughs> and the executive, the producing team at ESPN. It's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, this will be big. Okay, so then, so then you moved back to New York. No, I still lived in LA for like a year after oh, that. Oh, well, right, right, yeah, yeah. And I was like just you going back. You bought your and, apartment. <laughs> yeah, and then I was going back and forth like every week too. Sure. Um, no, I think so. The I told Bill that I was going to leave ESPN like maybe like five months before I did, mm-hmm. and I was like, listen, man, like I want to figure out what I want to do. I don't know what it is yet, um, but I want to. I don't want to lose my salary. So can <laughs> I like do a bunch of shit? and and sort of like check out and be okay and he like he was like okay with it because he that was after the suspension and after all that stuff yeah. so he was sort of like fuck it also what a like a what a office lifestyle you had like because we and we never got to visit you in your office there but to our knowledge yeah, Cho wouldn't let us that, well you yeah, know uh no is that true <laughs> sort of you were like there's nothing there there's nothing <laughs> no it's literally, it was literally a boring office and also not everyone came in but right. you got to but you got to play your music right you got to yeah like, i mean i didn't know but i had and an you office. worked and you worked alongside sean fantasy and yeah and, I, I remember uh, i i yeah I, I knew of sean and then he was friends with a lot of the people and then we did i like did an interview and talked with them for a while um before he came and yeah, I mean Sean's the best. Well, and let's talk about some Grantland employees. Uh, yeah. What are your? You got all of them on the fucking podcast. Yeah, well, you know, uh, Shay, we... oh, Shay, Rembert. Yeah, I think. Did you guys have Sean? No, because yeah. uh, yeah. Sean's in LA. But yeah. Um, yeah, what are your? What was your first interaction with Shay? I didn't interact with Shay until towards the end. I mean, I knew of him, and like, I didn't do his deal though. Like, I, I did more of the sports people's deals. So I did like Zach's and and Barnold's and stuff like. Or I say I didn't do Barnold's. I did Zach's and then. Um, a few people like that, but um, but I just remember being like, "Holy fuck, this dude's a good writer!" And this is before shoot your shot and the fucking FOH army and shit like that. Yeah. And then Shay came to the office and was like, "Whoa, this dude's like chill as fuck." And he's also so different from a vibe perspective of anyone else that we had. And like you, I mean, I I wouldn't be smart enough to say, "Oh, I knew that this would happen." <laughs> but like, and then when his book was coming out, we were like talking about like sort of his book and like he's explaining what he does. I mean, the thing about Shay is, and you guys know this because you know him, is like he's just the best dude. He's like both simultaneously the most sincere and earnest and like just 
best character person of all time but he's also like a fucking really good writer he yeah, just yeah. like writes in a way that's conversational and interesting and engaging and he knows he like has a good sense of he articulates things that no one else is really articulating in the way that he does it you know the first like i remember the week that he wrote something about um fresh prince and then also something about his dad i think or no explain to his kids about what it meant for them to be half black half mexican it was fucking amazing and then the next day he wrote something about the fresh prince and like carlton or some shit i was like fuck this guy is both equally as important yeah yeah and it's but and it's just like he just does a really i mean he's super super talented and that's why he continues to sell a shitload of books and and, he's sincere and authentic and that matters and that translates to people where where, like he's sort of like uh, in some ways like he's the best version of what of something that I think is really important where it's like you build an audience and then you figure out a way to continuously talk to them and give them things that are relevant to them in a really interesting way. And yeah, I mean, I, I Shay's the fucking best dude and I, so I wish him nothing but the that, most. That whole Grantland experience, it's, it's hard to recreate that because there were so many good people around, right? I mean, it's also just a different time. It's like, we're at a time where like people don't need more websites. Like we're not like, we weren't at like content overload the way we are today when Grantland started. Like, I think I remember like we would have like long articles and people would be like, what the fuck is this? Like, no one wants that. They're like, paginate that. It was like, it was like, we were like, paginate these long articles. And we're like, no, <laughs> like, that's annoying. Um, but like, I mean, uh, I think, and if you like go back to look at the archives, like the first day of Grantland, like they're like 15 people were like, this is going to fucking implode. And that was a thing when like, everyone was like, Oh, Grantland like was unsuccessful. And all this. just like, listen, I, I managed our P&L. We were, we did, we did very well. And it's like, we did as well as we needed to for ESPN to be happy with us, which is sort of our goal. It's like, we didn't have to, you know, it's like, I, I focused on as much money as they told me to hit for the year. And then besides that, we focused on making dope shit. Do you have any opinions on, on at the end, Bill had said that, that the resources weren't there, that he wasn't able to hire, the amount of people that he wanted and and the placements weren't there on on espn.com i mean i think it's just super complicated right like it's just relationships and shit like that and i think it just got to a place where the vision that they had for the vision he had for the vision that some other people had for is like i don't think they were completely aligned and like you know i think it's one of those things where you know in, in some level like he'd been with them for a long time and i think there are new things that you always want to try and i think there's all that's always interesting and I think good news is, is like everyone else everyone seems to be happy where they're at right now which I think is important and you know like I I love Skipper and I love uh, a bunch of ESPN people a lot and there are people at ESPN that I think are fucking shitty and I think they you know I'm surprised they sell their jobs and you know so that's it is what it name is name them <laughs> name every single one of them Jeff Rosenthal <laughs> I don't work for ESPN yeah. but if you did I would want you to get fucked no I would never <laughs> want that for you thank um, you what is your involvement today with the ringer uh friend friend okay. of the ringer i mean i I've, reader of the ringer yeah i mean i've talked to them there are certain things that i've like like sort of tangentially like given my opinion on but they know what they're doing i mean they have like a shitload of people that i think are so smart and like i bill's obviously very smart and sean and chris and those people are i mean they know what they're doing so you know i think it's sort of just like it'll be interesting to see what like all websites do right now or a time where content monetization and things like that are at an all-time low it's like if you start a website now you're fucked you know it's like there are places that start things like the outline and josh chaplowski or whatever however you say his name started their website and it's like it's going to be a challenge like no one wants websites like that's one of the things like the one thing that i'm so it's 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 so crazy to me about is like when people are like focused on the home page of their website and what it looks like it's like no one gives a shit about your home page mm-hmm. they're going to get your story through facebook or twitter or whatever and once they get there they're going to look at that story and if your story page isn't dope then you're fucked 
Right. Like no one's going to your like it's like there's five people going to your homepage, ma'am. Like you right. don't don't worry about that anymore. Like your home your story page should be your homepage because that's where people are going. That's their new home. And so I think it's like you know I think it'll be interesting to see what all people do with websites and stuff like that. Do you think people even? I mean, I remember like you know two years ago people were saying that people have stopped reading on the internet. Do you think that's true? No, because I mean people consume content. You know, I think reading I I. I the words will always exist on the internet that'll happen i think there's just a shitload of content now and there's like you know it's as interesting to read tweets as it is to read stories as it is to see pictures on instagram or watch things on snapchat or you know fucking iMessage with your friends like there's like a gajillion things you can do now and there's like a competing economy for attention it's just sort of like how do you how do you know how do you navigate through that i think is is the biggest challenge and how do you get mindshare in that and then you see shit like with the fucking kendall jenner pepsi thing where it's like brands have to get in that mix too and like how do they do that and and what does that look like i wanted to get to this because this is very important you had a tweet uh, a, a tweet thread recently um that was too much for 140 oh, characters <laughs> and uh I, I guess this comes from your uh most recent trip to los angeles is that right yeah i so we haven't talked about this really so no yeah so like in this studio time with justin you start you can't tell by now and no one's listening at this point so it doesn't matter but like <laughs> but like obviously like i think people are dope and some people that i think are dope tend to be black people who are work in the rap industry and i'm like oh all these people are fucking dope and uh and so like i keep meeting all these like dope black people and i'm like oh shit like and we go we meet each other and like i'm with other white people so like i see them give like these like white dudes like who are like suits or whatever like standard white person handshakes it's like the traditional handshake that your grandpa gives another grandpa it's like yeah and then i see them come to me and we're like fam and we do the thing where it's like a more like urban yeah a yeah, more exactly. yeah like the yeah. obama thing it's like yeah. a more urban handshake you know you bring it it's like a whole thing right right yeah. and so then at one point um i was like talking to people and like i'd, I'd been set up on a patio working and i was on the phone and then and I didn't even realize this was him at the time, but Danger comes up to me. Yeah. And he's like, oh, what's going on, man? Uh, it's good to meet you. And he gave me a white person handshake. And, like, he went in with the white person. I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> it's like, am <laughs> like, I fucking lame yeah, as right. fuck now? <laughs> and I was and, like, I didn't he's even know. He's determined you to be. Yeah. And it's like, and I was like, oh, I was like, fuck. I need a, <laughs> do I not? I was like, I don't look cool. Like, what what, what, what failures? Like, it was like, I've, I saw my entire life flash for my eyes. Like, <laughs> all the lame ass shit that I've ever done big. Like, this has led me to this moment where <laughs> I no longer have the respect of a class of human beings. Like the, the, the creative class of, of black rap right. dudes who are just dope as fuck who I want their admirations. It was like, it took me back to that room with Kanye where it was like, Kanye was like, yeah, right. Yo, you're tainted. Yeah, you're, I know you're... it sucks. I feel like sometimes I go in cause I feel like a lot of guys, I force it sometimes me. too. A lot of guys expect me to do the white guy handshake. So I do the white guy handshake. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, that's sad. Oh, no. I, I always, like, go for, like, something that... There is, is that moment where sometimes you kind of think they want to give you a white guy handshake, and you sort of force in, you <laughs> angle your hand in the direction where it's like, nope, we're doing this, well, fam. I'll tell you this. Uh, Miss Info had a karaoke birthday party. Uh, you were there, right? Oh, that one that I stopped by at? I think the one you that you were not by. invited to, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, yeah I, don't, I didn't know Miss Years and years and years yeah. ago. Now you know her. Yeah, um, but Jeff really got a Jeff really enjoyed shitting on me in that moment. The glee of his smile was like, "You didn't know her. You weren't invited to that." It was dark. Please, so, you were invited to everything else. So, what, you know, nine years ago, eight years ago, something. No, it was less than that. But it, yeah, I wasn't invited. And, but I went. And uh, Ebro, who we didn't know very well, but I guess we knew him enough that he, when he 
um, saw us, he gave us what we, you know, call the black man handshake, yeah. which really we learned was more of a Spanish thing. It's more of like a Puerto Rican thing where you, you slap hands and, and then, then you go hug. in for like a hug. Yeah, yeah. So it's not a classic black like, appropriation culture. It's, of the Spanish. No. But it's just it's it's the slap of the hand. And then you pull back for a full hug. It's oh, like, yeah. It's yeah, not yeah. like you like grab and then. Pull. Yeah, that's really like good. a true friendship thing, though, because like if you're hugging people. You, you're not hugging people you don't know. Right. This is the slap and the hug. Yeah, yeah. And we were like, oh, we I do that with Jeff sometimes. We were we were welcomed in yeah we do yeah yeah we thought like you know like you're in the fam we were yeah we were brought in and thus we can we're gonna be on the morning moving forward yeah and moving forward we could do that right like you know to people that we meet right so we were like allowed we were in the circle now you (laughs) feel like you have i've been kicked out of the circle. like listen everyone who who's had that dejection of getting the white guy handshake when you don't want it all remembers every time they've gotten the white guy handshake (laughs) well what'd you do with pharrell Pharrell, it was like normal, normal black guy. Yeah. <laughs> like, like we were just like, yeah. Does Pharrell have a big team with him? Yeah, Pharrell's a squad. What's but like, a, he has a lot of shit going on. What's it's a like, squad right. though? Like, are we talking about like double managers? No, not like that. But he's like, I mean, he's like, Nico's lo- brought over what like twelve people. To yeah, our but party? what I want to know is like, but no, Pharrell has Pharrell's not superfluous. He has people on his team that do shit. No, 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 and no. They're hey, all totally. there. Everybody totally. that Miko's brought over is necessary. No, I totally get that. Like every person has uh, 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 something to do, like a professional job, that's right. Part of the Pharrell right. enterprise. Yeah. But how do they get there? What do you mean? How do they like? If yeah, everyone's coming you, to the studio, all... oh, I think multiple Ubers. I think. Although I remember multiple one... Ubers. I think yeah, because I remember one day that because I oh I didn't tell you this. What's up? So the last day I was there, and I'm like I haven't slept at all because we're at the studio super late every night, and uh, and I wasn't sleeping well at the time. So Pharrell had triplets, and so he leaves earlier in the day, um, like you know whatever, and uh, and so it was like later on in the day, and someone was working in the place that I normally post up and work. Um, cause a lot of like studio time is like downtime while they're like writing and stuff like that. Sure. You don't want to bother that shit. And so I was like, Oh, I'll go to the other patio where Pharrell's team always squads up because, um, He's because it's, yeah, they're gone. They're like, I was like, Oh, I checked. They're like, Oh, no one's there. I was like, cool. This is what I'll just do. It's like nice. Yeah. So I post up there and then they come back cause they went to leave <laughs> for an offsite meeting. And there's like, we're coming back. And so then I'm sitting at the far end of this patio thing and there's no other entrance out. And then they all... They're all like they come in and they take over the entire section and they're like just talking about Pharrell shit and I was like <laughs> I was like guys I can go and they're like no 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 stay so at this point if I leave it makes me look like an asshole because I'm right, like you know right now you're so I'm just sitting there fucking awkwardly and then like kind of chiming in on shit and then uh, or then I'm chiming in on shit it's like sitting there like chuckling to myself when they all say something funny yeah like that was the day the Kendrick video the uh, humble had come humble, out yeah, yeah. and there's like that's dope and I was like yeah that is dope to myself. <laughs> <laughs> and um you watch crashing no not yet oh, it's oh. So good. no i love pete i haven't, I just haven't i'll yeah. i'll watch it but Visit. so but so then pharrell at one point so pharrell and i meet by talking about the mike brown thing right and then that was the same day uh uh mike flynn was like i'll talk with immunity and in, with immunity and he's like did you guys see that and then no one said anything i was like I saw that. <laughs> so then we start talking about like woke ass shit for a minute. And it's like, so at this point, like me and Pharrell only talk about like Pharrell or woke shit. Yeah. That's crazy. And, that's the, and I was like, but I was stuck in that fucking back corner while they're all just doing their shit. And I was like, uh, what do I got? But now Pharrell do? knows you as that guy. A woke guy. Yeah. yeah. Like somebody who actually reads books. Yeah. Or at least definitely reads Twitter. That's yeah. right. Um, Next up, just make sure that you always bring up the chill ass dentist with, with Kanye. Oh, God, Does Kanye. Pharrell read Twitter? 
I don't know. I, Pharrell's very well read. He's uh, so thoughtful. He's Does he so... want a website in 2017? <sighs> I don't. I don't. I mean, Does he... Justin read Twitter? Yeah, Justin's on Twitter. You can see his tweets. I don't know. I don't follow him. Maybe you should, fam. Why not? <laughs> is that your job? Yeah, my my job is to tell people one by one to follow Justin <laughs> on Twitter. It's very efficient. Anyone listening to this podcast, you should follow Justin Timberlake on Twitter. I think it's at Justin Timberlake. Oh, I think it's at J Timberlake. Actually, is it? I think so. Yeah, you should I follow him, David. <laughs> I follow. I looked yeah. at. I looked at it this morning. This Does is, he follow you back? No. Ah, I don't. That's see. That's really when you you actually listen, it. I think I yeah. I mean, do you subscribe to that? Yes, 100%. <laughs> I can't wait for that day. Um, Actually, wait. Does, who? So there are people who have confused you for uh, the other David show, the artist. Yeah, that happened when we were like, so I was going to dinner with um, so our friends and we both showed up because. Whoa. Yeah. Do you guys, do you not, do you not know that that happened? No. So, uh, I think we do. Chang had dinner yeah. and we're like, we're like, oh, we're going to get dinner. It was like when I lived in LA. He's like, yo, Chosen Town, we're all getting dinner. Do you want to come? And Chang was like, Oh yeah, for sure. And then he thought it meant his best friend David Show, and like right. we're friendly. Yeah, and we're fr- I guess we're closer friends now. But like at the time, we we're like acquaintances and friendly and stuff like that. <laughs> like we were like following each other on Instagram, friendly but not uh, like everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and so then, um, so then we show up to dinner, and it's like there's not enough seats. And it was at this like very like at the time this sushi restaurant that just opened. And I was like, like oh, this is kind of funny. Yeah. And it was like oh, but so then, but I also had to like. When other David Show got big on Twitter, I had to like <laughs> say, say you're not David Show. Yeah, because like Wait. I get some of his some of his like, and also like the people who follow David Show are like very weird. Without without giving uh, away your email address, can you talk about when you uh, tried to negotiate with someone else for their? Email oh, I mean, address? I don't care about my I don't care about my email. My, you can get my email address anywhere, but like um, when I tried to buy <laughs> David Show at Gmail dot com, and like I was like, listen, like this was in two thousand like seven. <laughs> And I was like, listen, man, I, I knew about like, cause I remember I had a friend who worked at Google in 2003 when I was in college, I was a sophomore in college. And my friend was like, listen, you should get this Gmail uh, thing. It's going to be great. We're making this email service. Like I'll get you an invite. Cause at the time it was invite only. Yeah. I was like, I was like, I'll take the invite, but I think I'm going to be using my alumni.wfu.edu address moving forward. And and I was like, so I didn't set it up. And then, so then I was like, and then everyone gets on the Gmail train. I'm like, fuck, I need to get this. And David chose taken. And so, and then, so I had to email the guy. I was like, listen, can I, like, I really want this email address. Like, and this is like, it's not been around that long. So he doesn't have like this, like, like today it'd be impossible. Like back then I was like, uh, like, I was like in my brain, I was like, I'm willing to pay in the thousands of dollars to have this because I want this moving forward. Like, I've made this mistake. I don't want to go down this road again. And he's like, at first, he's like, hey, man. I was like, he's, I was like, you know, can I buy this? He's like, hey, man, um, you know, let me think about it. You know, I'll, I'll think about it if I want to do it or not. And then he signs his email, Dave. And I was like, fuck you, man. And, uh, and it's just one of those things where, I was, and then he was like, he ended up saying no. But it's like, that's just like rude like sign your email david, david yeah. yeah just like don't fucking be a dick and i was like why the fuck he's like oh god no. thanks everyone for listening to this new episode of a waste of time with it's the real jeff if people want to listen to more of these episodes of a waste of time with it's the real where can they go you can always go to soundcloud.com slash a waste of time you can also go to itunes for a waste of time with it's the real we have episodes with everybody from angie martinez to Wyclef, mac miller just blaze mayno lil uzi vert charlie wilson and lot, many, 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 of, many, many more. A lot of episodes. Listen, guys, leave comments, leave ratings, 
And don't leave us. <laughs> don't leave us. Uh, go to SoundCloud. Go to iTunes and make it your mission to leave something positive there. If it's a rating, if it's a comment, whatever it is, we appreciate it. Subscribe all around the internet. Also, Jeff, people are looking for more places with content. Where can they go? You can always go to Twitter. We are It's The Real. Facebook at It's The Real. Instagram at It's The Real. On Snapchat, which we don't really use anymore because Instagram is eating its lunch. That's right. Uh, we are It's It's The Real on Snapchat and It's The Real Eric on Snapchat. It's The Real was taken, so fuck yeah. whoever took that we are coming to get you and we will stab you through the neck here's guys here's your biggest homework assignment right now go to spotify go to look spotify. look up it's the real yeah. and subscribe to us on there or follow or whatever the jargon is on, on spotify make sure that you are following it's the real i-t-s-t-h-e-r-e-a-l you can listen to all of our podcasts on your mobile app yes oh that too by the way yeah so you know, Jeff, this podcast will not grow if we don't get people to tell other people to listen to A Waste of Time with It's The Real, and it all starts with us. So do you have somebody you would like to shout out right now? I do. I, there's been a bunch of people who have, who have commented on SoundCloud and on iTunes and stuff, mm-hmm. but I want to shout out somebody that um, that just liked the picture on Instagram. Okay. I want to shout out Lance Drummonds, who I haven't seen in a little shout while. Shout out to Lance Drummonds. Shout out to Lance Drummonds. Good guy. Good musician. It's just like a really solid dude. So yeah. shout out to him. Always good to hear from him. Yeah, I would like to shout out Sammy Monet, who is a regular commenter on SoundCloud. We so appreciate her comments and her listens, and uh, we appreciate everybody for tuning in, subscribing, rating, commenting, all of that. Now for real, for real. Now for real, for real. We will see you guys next week. Did, what, did we stop recording? No, 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 no. Uh, you said something funny, and that's when we started playing it. Oh, wait. You, so you think oh, wait, we, this is the end of the podcast already? I think so. You think it was is with the Kanye thing? I th- yeah, no, the I, think, I think the... Um, no, when we brought back the Pharrell thing? No, when, when you said... Keep this in. This has to stay in now. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. When you said... Um, Oh, when you said the date no, thing. No, it's actually not. Oh, yeah. That, that's a good time. Oh, that was a great... But now this is like a good extra. So a little maybe, bonus. Actually, you know what? Cut it out then. Yeah. Let's add this audio at the very end, like after it's done, after you do your outros. Sure. And we'll just save it as like a fucking like, this will be our, um, what's that song at the end of Blueprint? Where it's like after like yeah. three and a half yeah, minutes yeah, yeah, of yeah, like yeah. nothing, <laughs> it comes in. Because this podcast is the blueprint <laughs> of all podcasts. It's the, it's the best go. It's the best version of any of it. That is right. Um, David? Wait, do we hit all our notes? Uh, unless you have anything else you want Was there anything else we had to talk about? We didn't talk about how talking about this for for so long that we didn't talk about how um, I I will ask you guys questions on text that you then take to the real. Jeff wants to say, yeah, you ask those things on text that you can just Google yourself and find (laughs) out. Well, first of all, that's a Phil criticism that I have adopted. I mean, it's just sort of like you guys know a lot about these things and I like your takes on them. So it's like, you know, it's like, oh, does. You know, if I don't know like this Migos song or whatever, it's like going to you guys, I will find a better answer than if I do whatever. And also, fuck you, you're not that busy to respond to a text to me. It about might, no, the thing is, I'll respond, but it might take a month.
how do you guys think it went? Let's do a podcast wrap up. Oh, quick. like a recap? Yeah. Um, this is gonna be so funny for again the five people who've just like left their <laughs> their you know podcasting on. Um, I thought it was good. I thought it was really good. I thought that um, it took a weird arc. Like it, it wasn't like the normal like this is the because we beginning. know each other so well. I know that's the thing. It's right. like you can't be like, where did you grow up? What's it like? Da, da, da. It's like we've had all that cover. Like we've known each other for ten years. But th- what's weird is that we actually haven't talked about. Um, a lot of your beginnings and even still on this podcast we didn't that's all that like, interesting it's like i grew up it's like that's all it was it's like <laughs> yeah but all these things like and that's the thing with with anybody that we have on the podcast is that your beginnings shape your your where you are now i mean i'll say this as a person who's like fairly calculated about like how like i shape my narrative of my life mm-hmm. i don't think it is that like i think there are things that are formative i think i i hit the things that are formative of like being an outsider in a place where you know it's like like i i guess we didn't talk about like how it's like a black middle school and a white high school like a white private high school and how those things like shaped right like the idea of like like being around black people when you're 10 and 11 and 12 and then going to a rich white high school is like that's one of those things that just like does affect you and like going to a rich white high school is a very poor person mm-hmm. also and like those things that like i think are really good to build character but i mean you know, I, th- I think we hit the... We hit the no, I think the we highlights. hit all the important parts. I'm just saying that that's like... The you Kanye do, story, you do the chill dentist story is way better than my middle school experience of like Which, a black... by the way, you never told us before. What? The, the Kanye, Kanye story? story? Chill dentist. Wait, we did... I. No, we never we never talked about that. Really? No, never knew that you were swimming there. Never knew. Mm-hmm. No, oh, that. I thought I called. There's and also then, at a people, point, people don't know that there's a lot that David doesn't tell us. <laughs> people always say that about me in general, though, because yeah. I because I'm not like that forthcoming with things necessarily. But I think I, I can't imagine I didn't tell you guys the Kanye thing just because no. it's so relevant to our relationship. Uh, well, no, yeah, but, there, know, but there's also that. like a lot of stories that like you'll just be like I'm you know don't tell like you know certain people or don't you yeah know, but i'll still tell you no I, yeah sometimes but i feel like that you probably have those same sort of relationships with other people where it's like well don't tell anybody else about this no i always took that no, i tell you guys i took things. that kanye story as like over the last year and a half or almost two years we'll be on the was podcast story david you, wanted to yeah. save it for the podcast. really right. yes. yeah no way that story is literally from 2012 i I promise you, like we've every time I've it's been held up, that like, back for the podcast. I, you're like, I haven't told you that story, and then yeah. like, no, just say that's it for the crazy. Podcast. Yeah, because you've, it... you've been so concerned about what you would tell on the podcast. You're like, oh, well, what well, we talk about, guys? but that's because, yeah. like, I mean, because it's a lot of it's like not my business to tell people other people's shit. I get that. You know? I get that. But it's stories that you've like been through. Yeah, it's very like Zelig-y. Have you seen Zelig? Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, I get the reference. I and haven't seen the movie. John Karamanica said that we are hip hop Zelig. Oh, really? Yes. Uh-huh. That's interesting. Wait, so what did you think of the that Kanye the story article. after you've heard it? It's amazing. It's, it's an funny, right? It's a great story. Yeah. Oh man, there's like it's details. such a bummer though. There's details of it that I like. It's like because he was like he. I mean, he didn't make any sense. And it's like the thing is, is like he would say these things that, and it's sort of representative of Jesus at the time. Where it's like he would say these things where, the first. 80% of it doesn't like like up until the 80% point it doesn't make any sense and then at the 20% the last 20% he sort of makes it ties it all together right. so instead of being like a narrative where you can just follow it's like all these like free form like ideas it's like he's painting a painting it's like he's putting all the colors there but he hasn't outlined anything mm-hmm. and so not until the very end when he like starts outlining it does it actually make sense as far as like what the fuck is going on right it's almost like those central park artists who will like draw something and then they turn it upside down and it's like well that's what it is yeah and it was like mm-hmm. and i would ask questions at the 20 percent mark and the 40 percent mark and the 60 percent mark. Like, right yo shut the fuck up fam but in in essence it's like he's sort of like a stand-up comedian where he's just like you have to wait he's until... not that funny <laughs> no. 
I mean, no, stand-up comedians have jokes though. They're they're linear jokes. It's like you talk yeah, about but, something. But there's some. People there's a who big payoff at yeah, the end yeah, 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 or whatever. Right. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think he's just in a weird place. Like I think he is just such a he's such a uh, uh, like a like a such a concentrated version of what an artist is, in the sense that he just is like all he cares about are the things he makes, and like whether that's the clothes or whether that's the, clo- the 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 music or whether that's even the story of what his narrative is and what his life is like, he's so focused on what that is mm-hmm. i think it's sort of like it consumes him but i think the interesting thing about him is is like the fact that like he's what 40 now about close he's yeah. about to be 40 yeah. 39 or 40 yeah like i think I, it's like i think it's like well, he kind of isn't he his barometer for cool isn't where it was before right because he's a 40 year old dude who lives in calabasas now Rather than like a dude who lived even in New York where it's like you're surrounded around people and all that stuff. It's like I think one of the things that was interesting is like when you look compare like pastel, the clothing line he was gonna do yeah. with Easy and like and and all that stuff, it's like when you look at like so they were gonna bring pastel back last year with Ian Connor or whatever, yeah. and like you look at the pieces that he made in two thousand eight or whatever. Oh shit, we didn't talk about any of the Kanye shows. Whatever. Um which, I mean, we still can. We, can we didn't talk about that. Honestly, we didn't in. talk about that. We didn't talk about the Watch the Throne sessions. Oh but yeah. It's like, but I didn't know how much you wanted to reveal. I too. would tell the I, I would tell the one story about um, N words in Paris where, like, Jay wanted to call it ball so hard. You can't put this in the tweet. Don't put this in the tweet. Like, if people listen to this point, they can. But like, how Jay wanted to call it ball so hard, and uh, and kind of like, no, we have to call it. We have to put the word N word in the title. And they were gonna name every. Have, have I not told you the story? No. Like. Like we were gonna put the N word in every single title of this album, so everyone has to say it, and they have to confront it. So it'd be like Otis would be called like you know, wow, whatever. And so like like that was the statement, and kind of. And I think the compromise. I don't. I mean, I'm assuming the compromise ended up being all right. We'll put it in the title of this one song <laughs> that's arguably the best song on the album, right. or second best song on the album for me. But um, Otis being number one. But wow, yeah. But like that was like a thing. I mean, like that's just the relationship of like the mature relationship of whatever. But going back to the Yeezus versus Pastel thing, or Yeezy versus Pastel thing, I think. Like, it's interesting, 2008, 2009, like, Pastel is a clothing line that represented, like, sort of where fashion w- it would be four years from then, five years from then. Like, he was doing, like, these, like, varsity jackets and, and this sort of streetwear of things that I think is really interesting, really forward. And it, like, f- like we can say with, like, looking back now, like, this was very, very of its time. It's, like, I mean, honestly, like, she was making shit that, like, Tom Brown makes today. It's, like, crazy. Mm-hmm. But... You know, now Yeezy, it's like not as advanced. It's not as cool. His like his barometer of what's cool isn't the same way it was. In the same way that probably like Bari or Rocky or those dudes have right now, just because they're youth and youth yields creativity, and they're not super successful yet to the point where Kanye is now, where you can remove yourself from reality and they they they're they're like still part of the culture. Well, okay, you hear that in all day. I think. Yeah. Uh, why do you think that Pharrell is? I was about to ask in that. tune. Well, because I think a there are a few people actually, or not just in tune. He he sets the bar. Yeah, he I think, drives the culture. I think there are a few people that um, maintain that level of like whatever, no matter what age they're at. Right? You feel like like Martin Scorsese is like that, where it's like, all right, he's old as fuck, and he's still making arguably his best movies. Right. Um, but I don't think that Scorsese's cool. No, but it's. I think it's to me. It's just like cool is creative like output. Right. It's like. Kanye's creative output is cool. Like comedians, you see it a lot. Like you, there aren't that, that many great stand-ups who, like, once they become like like Jerry Seinfeld, isn't as good stand-up as he was, you know, fifteen years ago, twenty years ago. Right. Like, you know, and I think um, why is Pharrell that? I think it's because Pharrell is sort of has always been an alien, and while he's done things that are always cool, he hasn't necessarily started all the trends that Kanye started. Because you can't follow Pharrell. It's like 
only so many people can wear white circle Chanel sunglasses and jean shorts and black Timberland boots and whatever. Oh, you know what a funny Justin and Pharrell story was though. Like the first the first time I was out there, um, I didn't. I like one morning, like I was like late and I didn't shower or something like that. And I was like, fuck, like, um, I was like, I like when I don't shower, I want to, I swear a beanie or whatever, but it was like LA. So it was like 75 degrees or something like that. And I was like, fuck, I wonder if I can wear a beanie. And then I realized who I was going in the studio with, like <laughs> Justin and Pharrell who wear the craziest hats at all times. Yeah. 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 Like, oh, this is, this is safe to wear. <laughs> <laughs> um, wait, was there anything else we didn't talk about? Um, the true, it's the real, uh, waste of time after dark. Uh, can't believe we're gonna keep this all in it's gonna be dope i can't believe we're gonna keep this all in people are like you guys talk for two and a half hours well you have dinner in well, like half an hour no in an hour we have plenty of time i mean we're not gonna talk for the next hour but we do have plenty of time hmm. game of thrones no that's not interesting was there anything was... well you coming over and making your oh that i talked about that on the other on the on the <laughs> jeff so, and so on, the on the tall tales yeah when you when you you rode up in an uber blasting the game of th- but you don't but then i walked into your apartment listening to it too yeah game of so that's like soundtrack. a 45 minute trip with the uber <laughs> and you were just playing the the song four songs from, like on so repeat fun. but they all sound like one song so it's yeah. like you're just listening to the same motif over and over and over again i have a picture of you on the couch laid out because i sent it to phil i was like you'll never believe what's happening right now <laughs> Um, so there's nothing else. I guess this is it. This yeah. is the end of this podcast. I don't want it to end because we've talked about doing it for so long. Right? Well, no, no, but there can always be more. Like this is not really. I don't. The, here's the thing about me doing this podcast, and the reason we haven't done it is because it kind of doesn't make sense. No, it only it makes sense now because of the Justin stuff, where it's like, okay, I'm tangentially involved in like well, no, your no, guys' industry. That's not true. No, because we're yeah. We're, well, we we're we're, gonna, we're delaying it for a project I was working on that never ended up coming out. Oh, I didn't even talk about the Jimmy stuff. Iveen, we were in a meeting like so i was working with jimmy Iveen on something and um i like stuff that never happened right like so it's like you work on a gajillion things four of them happen and, and so one of the meetings was with jimmy or the first time with jimmy was at his house and we were um we were in a meeting at a table and uh he comes in his super jimmy and then he puts it like i'm sitting next to him and he puts his phone on the table and he has like an iphone obviously but then, like, I look over and it's like he has like one of those like dad iPhone cases where it's like the ones with the card holder in the back, mm-hmm. and it's like the it's lamest his shit of all too. Yeah. yeah, it's like it's the lamest shit of all time. But then the card that's on the very top is a black card, yeah. <laughs> which is like the best stunt of all time. Where it's just like, yo, I'm dad as fuck, but do you have that Centurion card? <laughs> um, yeah, that was wait. Oh yeah, we didn't do the podcast because we were going to save it for when I had this one thing come out that would have been really great to promote. Sure. at the time, but that went away, which was. Which was annoying. But, but here's but, the thing, David. Yeah, I feel like well, we're trying to not just do, and we've we've never. I get that, but to, I don't want to. But it's like I don't want to be something that I, I want you guys to be successful. So I don't want to be someone that's irrelevant for. I like I want you guys to, you know, we're we're talking about whether or not this will come out versus another person like in the next couple of weeks. And it's like, well, I don't want to put it like you know, I I think it should come out just because it's like relevant. Well, to also a lot like of stuff. For, yeah, but for us, like we're at the point now where I think our audience trusts whoever we put out. Right, so there's going to be a good story coming out of it, regardless of whether you're promoting something or not. I do or think it's if int- if you're a dud, then <laughs> at least they'll be back next week. Well, I do think it's interesting that like we this is probably the podcast you guys have done with someone who knows you guys as well as I know you guys. Like I can't yeah. imagine anyone like even like you guys did Minion, Angie, and stuff like that. Yeah, but they don't. You know, it's like we. I mean, Minya knows us fairly well, but like, no, she's not on the same level. But she won't talk about it the same way either because of the no. correct. Because she has a very distinct 
personal and private or like public and private life where right. it's like yeah. i have nothing <laughs> <laughs> all i all i have is this you but know? no you've been probably our our best friend for the past 10 years oh yeah yeah no you you wouldn't With think eric that? No. for sure What's <laughs> yeah i don't know about you jeff it's nice <laughs> no but um can we talk about how your birthday was at angels and kings oh god that's so cr- <laughs> that was that was my that's the first and last birthday party i ever threw for myself because like i i was like that was i guess i was tw- P. Wentz's. yeah p yeah. Wentz's bar i was not there no i you was were there. wait you weren't there no, no you I must wasn't. have been out of town or something no when was it he Eric didn't know you. Oh. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. seven. And by the way, no, here's something that people should know. That's crazy. A, lo- a lot of you guys... I showed up alone. A lot of... When you guys first met, and then you, like, would become, like, Gmail or Gchat friends. Yeah. No, it was AIM. And I thought that David was so annoying. Because? Because he would just... Uh, uh, you know, on AIM, all he would do was send me a milli, 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 for like It was hours. before the song came out, which was very appreciative. <laughs> um, no, it was like 2008. I mean, okay, first of all, you're exaggerating because obviously I wouldn't do it for hours because I had a job. Barely. But, but like, no, I mean, I had a job. It might, it might have been for like, had a job. yeah, it might have been for like 45 minutes and not barely an hour is what you mean. Yeah. Um, no, the Angels and Kings thing, I was like, the thing I like about going to parties, the thing I hate about going to parties is like, like i don't like it when you can't leave when you want to right i don't like him to talk to everyone yeah and i was like oh if you throw a birthday party you have to stay to the end and you have to talk to everyone oh yeah. my god oh, i'm never doing this ever <laughs> ever ever again yeah i showed up by myself i remember i don't know who that's I so crazy to. that we didn't know each other though no we didn't yeah. no that we we met uh, i i introduced eric when we came through for for radar yeah but even then like i mean that so that must have been right after we became friends we're probably barely that was probably before a milli it was probably like six months yeah yeah jeff used to hate me no, no I, I didn't you. hate you no. enjoyed just by that, like, i am yeah. getting these repeated things was just like you know what's crazy about that i am account <laughs> is um like so at the time radar was um like you would get traffic from a lot of places so you'd like sort of become friends with other people who owned websites and ran websites so you'd be like oh we have this story coming out like you should link to it we'll link to whatever and one of the people that i had on my i am was uh andrew breitbart who at the time was running drudge and before Whoa. breitbart like he was just starting the breitbart website that, and like the breitbart website similar to radar it's like it's not it wasn't like at the time it was just like sort of like you know him writing about shit they wanted with like a right slant but right. Like, nothing like insane yeah so like breitbart which is his i am account i think it's still active because it might be the company one. Oh my like god like, i think i don't know about today but like i think like four or five years ago like i opened iChat one time just to see who was online i was like yeah. holy shit and he died too so it's like yeah right he yeah. i was like oh this guy's online and like oh. it's like it's so weird though to think that like i was i was iming with this dude <laughs> who would then go on to arguably like destroy democracy in america that is so crazy yeah that should be the headline what for this podcast no what do you think the headline for the podcast will be we don't have headlines but you have like the tweets like you pull out stories for the tweets yeah, yeah. you're right um went from tennessee to um you know one here. of the first no, hires yeah, at kyle no, schumer it's, it's probably like you know we'll talk about like kanye, kanye and pharrell yeah. and uh David Just, Tony I, talks about what it's like to be yelled at by kanye <laughs> to be woke with fraud don't put fraud on the headline though. we, we also won't put woke why not i god you know how much i hate woke culture that's why i hate that fraud associates me associates me with woke culture <laughs> i want him to associate me with being dope right not with exactly. wokeness because mm-hmm. i think those two things are in direct opposition to each other now i hate i hate i hate woke internet 
Woken right. internet's like it's become so annoying. Like that was the thing about Pepsi, where I was just like, you know, this is bad. But like that was also the day like the Assad like Syrian thing happened. Like where it's like that was the day he like sarin gassed everyone. Right. And it's like, I mean, the, the Pepsi commercial is bad for sure. I, mean, I guess yeah. I'm being like extra woke by like being hating on woke people. I was like, <laughs> but it's like this is a fucking commercial, and who cares? Right. You know, right. it's like there's other shit that's happening. Like yeah, right. You know, like the, yeah, I was surprised that it went as long as it did. Well, I think it just like, it hit people at different times. Well, I, you know, listen. I mean, it it took a whole bunch of of things that people don't like and put them all together. What Kendall? Kendall. Yeah, I mean that's a huge Pepsi. thing. Pepsi or soda in general. Right. Woke uh, culture. Putting like a happy face on something that people. The thing is, I like. really think there's a way to have done that. Interestingly, I like actually broke it down as like sort of and like I've I work I've worked with them and like I still will continue to work with the yeah. Pepsi people. So right. like I mean I, I would never be, like it's like I get how it happens. I get how it gets to that point. Sure. I get whatever. It's like I also don't think it was the I don't think it was the thing that was like I don't think it's just like fucking like you know horror it's like you're, you didn't, they didn't put a fucking cross on someone's lawn and like light it up the way people are sort of making it right, sound like you right. know it's just sort of like a lot of people made a decision it kept happening and, right. they, and it yielded a product that wasn't great which is what happens sometimes it's like that's the thing people don't realize that companies are people you know they're run by people it's like right the, you know and sometimes they're genius to, at companies but the further you get away from that genius the further you get away from the right person at the top yep the more like it's just like a regular person is making a decision those people have jobs they have families they want to go home to their families their life is in their job you know and that's you know it's like that's the way decision making works and because you always want to think like you know like oh like people are like oh how did espn do that well it's like there's probably six people in the room or six people on the daisy chain of decision making that made this thing and it might have been the fifth thing to come their way that day and like they kind of were like yeah why not and like and then a bad decision happens it's like it's not like espn this like corporate like monolithic organization is like out for evil it's like no fucking they goofed right you know? yeah right it's like and i think you know not everyone it's like when you have companies that are thousands of, if you have companies of tens of people it's still like their mistakes still happen wow but, you're really apologizing for corporate culture huh well, David, i don't think it's corporate culture i think it's like human beings run shit right and you have to understand that all companies are human you know and like all like it's like you the supreme court notices <laughs> well, well yeah. okay what'd you think when you were working for grantland yes. and deadspin would shit on you guys just because they wanted to i mean i think that's what they do and that's their job and that, that like you know they only shit on us because it was it because it, you guys were popular uh no i don't think that's true i think they shit on us because we, we were part of espn and because bill's bill's a polarizing figure and bill i, I think at the time would get them traffic I think having stories about Bill would be would be successful for them, that and that's sense, why they would do it. Yeah. And it's like you know, you do things for business reasons. I was never like, oh, fuck those dudes. I was never like, I was never like, I want to hang out with all of them <laughs> all the time. But I was like, sort of like, fuck it, whatever. It's like it did, un, un, unless they posted things that were non-true mm-hmm. and said they were true. Right. That was the only time where I'd be like, oh, well, fuck this. Right. But like, I mean, I, you know, like one of the things that was crazy was when when the bill got fired by the New York Times. Um, and this, I, this is like, I will shit on individual people. I'll never shit on companies. But like, um, this guy who wrote the story, Richard Sandemir, uh, which I don't mind saying his name, because um, he's doing obituaries now. Oh, is he? Right? Yeah, he's no. in charge of obituaries. Well, that's dark, but whatever. <laughs> um, this dude, he he wrote the story, he and he's no, he's doing obituaries. Yeah, okay. He so he's like he was their sports media reporter, and ESPN had them in his pocket. Or had had him in their pocket, and um, so the bill story comes out, and the day, the week the bill story came out, I'd actually put my resignation in that week too, sort of like 
unrelated like i was right. like this is happening like it's a foregone conclusion today's the day i'm gonna do it and then i stopped working there and then someone i talked to was like they were like what do you think about the bill things like oh i quit like i don't know and they put that in a story and they're like whatever so then the new york times added that to the thing saying like unrelated i had quit and then my mom saw it and she's like oh like that's uh which, you know i quit obviously but she yeah. was like oh like that's so funny I went back to it and then they changed it. Like they, they kept changing the language of it. Like they updated the story like four or five times because hmm. I saw it in different iterations. I was like, this motherfucker never called me. And he's saying I did certain things. That I like, he was like, oh, like David Cho quit this way or like that way. Or like, like all this shit. It's like, fuck man. Like that's some shitty ass reporting. If you're the fucking New York times and you think you have the presence of mind to change the story that many times. And also it's a story that got a lot of media attraction for them because it was the one where they fired bill essentially or they yeah. said they weren't renewing bill's contract right and like so it's like i don't shit on the new york times for that i'm not like oh the new york times fucking sucks or the new york times hates bill simmons I'm it like, was a that dude yeah fucking sucks right and that dude is not a good reporter and that because if you're a reporter you shouldn't be in the pocket of the things you're reporting on right you should sort of like look at them objectively and like you know blah 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 like that that's the the standard of the new york times that you come to expect and, and all that shit and like yeah. like even like when the times had that stuff with like hillary where it's like they put they made the Hillary email scandal like the two weeks before the election really big on the front cover. It's like, right. you know, it, it, was it objective? No, like it was probably reactionary because they thought they were being too nice to too nice to Hillary and too mean to Trump and like all that stuff. But it's like, again, human decision making and stuff like that. And, you know, that's fine. But and like, here we are. <laughs> yeah. And so like, I don't, I don't hate companies. Wait, what should we end it on? Do we have any, do we have anything else? Do we have any stories that we meant to tell that we didn't? Um, I feel like you didn't talk that much. You, Jeff, did not talk that much on this podcast. I think I feel like I talk too much. But that's that's what we always do. Yeah. <laughs> but like I feel like Eric and I, I, I talked. But a lot. once again, I don't think you talk too much. I I I think that I want to find out stuff about you, and we let you go. Well, all right. Listen, David, we're so appreciative that you gave us the time. Yeah, you're like get off the podcast. No, this no. Is, I can't. The, the after dark part of this, you have to. So, I'll keep it. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. keep the thing, like fade it out, and then bring it yeah, back. Yeah, no, I will. Yeah. I will. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be so creepy for people. Like, why the fuck are they still talking? <laughs> did this end? Like, did did this end? Are you gonna run the music back, or is it gonna stop now? Right now, the yeah. music. Has I think stopped. it's just gonna stop. <laughs> no, no. But like, are we gonna the second ending? Will it have the music, or is this gonna stop? No, no. I don't. I don't think so. All right. I think it runs through the well, credits. So, then. podcast listener, you don't know this, but we're gonna record the intro now. <laughs> so. We're going to keep talking. You're really so, calling a lot of shots right now. Well, we said we were doing that before, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, so essentially, we're going to stop talking to you, but we already <laughs> ended the talking before, and the things you're hearing are from the fucking future. So, you know, food for thought. I don't know. Is that food for thought? Yeah. All right, cool podcast. Thanks, David.